0: is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. What is going on, Winnipeg and Manitoba? Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. This is going to be a banger, folks. What a game last night in Las Vegas for the Winnipeg Jets. A, uh, I-, I mean, honestly, I- that was the best game this team has played all season. And what a time to do it, taking a one nothing lead in their best-of-seven series with, um, with a game that everybody had a piece of and was exactly what I think Winnipeg Jet fans were hoping to see from this club at some point and no better time than right now against the number-one seed in the Western Conference. 5-1 uh, last night to draw first blood, to retake or to take home ice advantage and I can tell you right now, we'll see what happens tomorrow night, but I can personally guarantee to you, my friends, that Saturday afternoon in downtown Winnipeg at Canada Life Center in the street parties is going to be freaking bananas. And I cannot wait. Uh, and, and, you know, and listen, for some people that might be tuning in, following the Jets, or checking us out from outside of the market, uh, it's still Winnipeg. We do have a special weather statement and looks like we might be getting 10 to 20 centimeters of snow tomorrow. That cannot dent me in the least. Don't care about it. We are all systems go on this series right now after a big win last night for the Winnipeg Jets. This is going to be a really fun show. We're going to get post-game reaction and hear from Rick Bonus and some of the players that spoke after the game. We're going to talk about it with Sean Reynolds, who was doing a heck of a job on the national sports net broadcast last night with Sport with the Sportsnet down in Vegas, and Marat Atesh of the Athletic is also in Vegas covering the series. Marat will join us a little later on as well. We'll talk about something, some of the things going on in the rest of the Stanley Cup playoffs. But I think we all know what's dominating this program, and that's the dominating performance by the Winnipeg Jets last night to get one win of four right out of the gate. Um, just before we bring in Michael Remus. I do want to thank the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. We couldn't do it without you. And of course, welcome everyone uh, that's here with us right now. Didn't take very long to uh, fill this sucker up today. Shout out to everyone that's watching. And if you are new in and around here, join us every day, Monday to Friday, in season, postseason, off season. Death taxes and WST five days a week. We're here for you. Hit that red subscribe button and uh, join the crew here talking uh, all sports, but focusing on our Winnipeg teams and especially right now at playoff time, your Winnipeg Jets. Uh, Of course, those sponsors making it happen. Cool Bet Canada, Princess Auto, Consolidated Supply, Royal Sports, Boston Pizza, Little Brown Jug, Breezy Bend, Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, F Apparel, Wallace & Wallace, Vita Health Fresh Market, Canadian Club, Manitoba Battery, and of course our newest sponsors, AquaTech and Modern Man Barbershops. Shops. Let's get this going. Welcome to everyone with us live on YouTube. Shout out to podcast listeners catching us on the audio feeds. Michael Remus, how about them Jets? Woo!
1: Man, I gotta be honest, I am tired here from last night just doing post-game stuff. We had a video here on this channel if you haven't seen it. And, you know, the night before, double overtime. But, I mean, it's hard, it's easy to come here and talk about this when you're here talking about a win. But as you said, not only a win, but I think it was the Jets' best game of the season. Um, You know, you talked about flipping a switch. I think the switch had been kind of gradually being, you know, propped up, uh, you know, over the last couple weeks. You're just, like, going, tuning it higher and higher and higher. And it was in playoff mode last night. We saw playoff PLD uh, playoff. Adam Lowry, you know, the big body, and Hellebuck, you know, didn't need to make a lot of saves, stopped 16 of 17, but um, when he was called upon, he had to make a couple big ones early, oh. which kept the, Jets, kept the Jets in it. You know, one thing, you talk about the best game of the year, the Jets only allowed 17 shots against. That was tied for the lowest number of shots they allowed against all season. The other time they allowed 17 was against the Blues when they were shut out by Joel Hofer. Uh, if you, we all remember that guy. I think we were mad after that. They couldn't score on him, but um I mean, what a performance all around. I mean, two absolutely shots in the
0: second, pe- in the third period.
1: Yeah. And then uh, as I, you that said,
0: to me, that to me was the craziest part about the entire game. I mean, the Jets got the two nothing lead Vegas scores a big, big kill on a very chintzy penalty. If you ask me to Mark Shifley at the end of the uh, second yes. period, and coming out, I mean, I was ready for the Vegas Golden Knights to bring it. Um, it was the Winnipeg Jets that brought it. And Connor Hellebuck did not have much to do at all in the third period. And that made it that much more incredible. Um, you know, Adam Lowry, and we're going to get into the performances of Adam Lowry and Pierre-Luc Dubois. I thought those two in particular were absolute beasts last night. Um but Lowry played such a huge role in the game, ended up leading all jet forwards in ice time. Um, And I I can't say I'm surprised with, you know, his role in the club, certainly when it comes down to PK and how good his line was. And to think that Nikolai Ehlers was out of the lineup, um, they actually ended up getting some nice contributions from that second line. Blake Wheeler getting into it. I thought Nito Niederreiter was awesome last night. But honestly, Remo, this was an absolutely complete team game. And you are right. Connor Hellebuck in some ways was sort of an afterthought, but he should not be. I really think that that point blank save that he made on Brett Howden early in the game really did set the tone for Winnipeg. I think let everybody know that their Vesna Trophy winning winning goaltender was there and was ready to step up and really from you know, probably about five nervous minutes in the first period where I thought that, you know, Vegas did a good job on the four check and the Jets had a little bit of difficulty getting the puck out of their zone. The Jets ended up getting into a very simple style of play. I thought the defense did a great job getting it to the forwards and getting the pucks out of the zone. And at that point, once it was gone, the Winnipeg Jets used their speed to create opportunities and they got to Lauren Brassois, and um, you know, we talked a lot about the goaltending matchup, kind of neat, you know, the former partners here in Winnipeg, well, Connor Hellebuck stepped up when he had to, uh, and Lauren Brassois, for all of his, um, you know, great performances, and the lack of a regulation loss through the regular season, I think got exposed a little bit by a team and a bunch of players that have spent plenty of time shooting on him, and It was blocker side all night long. They got a few of them
1: and never looked back once they got that lead. Yeah, funny comment here from Julian in chat who says the Jets had more goals in the third period than Vegas had shots. The Jets (laughs) with the three (laughs) and Vegas only two shots. And I agree, a couple maybe nervous minutes getting used to playoff hockey at the beginning, but the Jets were all over. Lauren Brossois, and, you know, we didn't even touch on us coming into the game Hus, Uh, Nikolai Ehlers, I was pretty shocked that he wasn't going to be in the lineup. Sean Reynolds announcing that on the broadcast. He had said all week that he was ready. He was good to go. Rick Bonus kind of put the clamps down. He's was like, no, no, no. He's day to day. And I said, hey, he practiced. He's fine. Was not fine. However, you know, I actually thought they were well equipped to handle the loss of Ehlers because Nino Niederreiter just moved up and played so well. With Nemestikov and Wheeler, and they scored the nice insurance marker that really I thought put Vegas away. Even if it was um, so early in the third, that, um, they kind of just locked it down there, unlike uh, how Edmonton was not able to lock down their their two goal lead against LA. And um, and so and Morgan Barron, who I know he missed like an hour getting stitched up, but uh, he's been so good and he's been on the stuck on the fourth line. It gave him a chance to move up, and we're gonna, probably going to talk a lot about Barron. But yeah, in that first period. They were all over the net on that play where he got cut. Um, Appleton had a shot from the side and they were all over uh, Lauren Brossois. Um, you know they got out of it uh, tied 0-0, but in the second period uh, was uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois playoff PLD really broke out last night setting up Kyle Connor and setting up uh, and, and scoring himself actually and you know one thing we talked about all in the last couple of days was how good Vegas was at protecting the slot. And they did not do that yesterday. Kyle Connor's goal, slot Dubois in all alone. Um, Blake Wheeler scramble in the slot with Nemesnikov like sitting on Lauren Brosois. Um, I mean, this was a perfect game for the Jets, and I don't, I don't know if it's going to be able to get better from this, but you hope that it can continue on game two. But you know, Vegas is going to be better as well. This isn't. Uh,
0: hey, I mean, this yeah. wasn't
1: didn't look like a first place team.
0: Well, uh, listen, I, I'm going to give most of the credit to Winnipeg. I mean, they were absolutely ready to play and, you know, listen, I mean, predictions mean nothing, but I mean, we, and I certainly focused on some, you know, past to victory for the Winnipeg jets over the last few days as we got ready for the series. And some of the things that I think should be giving Winnipeg jet fans optimism about the way the team had played. And I kept going back to that last 10 games of the regular season. Um, And really that last, the the, the homestand of the five games and then the game in Minnesota. And this team has been playing for their playoff lives for the better part of the last few weeks. And credit to them, picked themselves up off the mat after, you know, some pretty ugly losses and a long stretch of play nowhere close to what they're capable of. They found themselves at the end. And I mean, I don't think this is about people. I hear this term all the time, flipping the switch. This wasn't flipping the switch. This was um, recommitting themselves to the things that they needed to do to give themselves the best chance to win. And we saw them do that on the homestand. We certainly saw them step up in a playoff-type game against the Minnesota Wild. And I really did think that that set them up to, um, you know, at least put their best foot forward against a really, really good opponent when this series started. And that is exactly what happened last night. I mean, the Winnipeg Jets were ready to play. They were ready to face the challenge of a Vegas Golden Knights team that was full marks and winning first place in the Western Conference and getting the number one seed. And there were no passengers last night. Everybody stepped up and, uh, Listen, this was, a, this was a win that I think we'll remember for a long time. Um, although, hopefully, if the team can keep winning, it'll just be another one on a, on a nice playoff run. But what a way to start things off. And, I mean, listen, you mentioned the loss of Ehlers right off the bat. I mean, of course, that freaked me out, and I think a lot of people. And, um, obviously, the doctors did not clear him to play. Um, he wanted to play, but if the doctors don't clear it, then we're not going to find out exactly what it is. Um, considering that, though, uh, and especially the fact that they won, I wouldn't at all be surprised if Eilers is not a player in game number two. Maybe he'll do the camera work as well for uh, for the team afterwards. Um, but man, what can you say about Nito Niederreiter stepping up? He had a monster game, and Morgan Barron, the legend of Morgan Barron, full cage bear coming out after taking seventy-five stitches. And just quickly on that scene, Reem, when he got the skate to the face, that was, I mean, that was about as horrifying a uh, potential injury as you could see. I mean, he'd be the first one to admit, I think, very fortunate that it wasn't worse. But um, that's a hockey guy right there going going to the room, getting stitched up, coming back right away with the full cage and uh, playing a big, big role along with Adam Lowry killing penalties. Uh, And that's exactly what you want to see from, uh, from your young players and a guy playing in his first playoff game. A lot of talk about Jack Eichlin in his first game. Where was Jack? He was out there. He was getting dominated by Pierre-Luc Dubois and finished with zeros across the board with the exception of a minus three in the plus minus. Um, but Morgan Barron, his first playoff game, I thought Dylan Samberg very quietly had an absolutely phenomenal game. Slamberg making a few hits, making a few good defensive plays, looking like he was uh, a veteran out there. Um, and honestly, I mean, we'll focus in on some of the players that, you know, really had starring performances. But I thought everybody stepped up right down to our pal David Gustafson, who got in because Ehlers was out. Loved that decision by Bones to put Gustafsson in. I think he's a more versatile player playing on that fourth line. And you just don't want to lose that fourth line matchup. And he was sniffing around the net last night, Reem. I know we had the question at little Brown Chuck sports trivia night of what Jed had played the most games without a goal. And it was Gus. Well, Gus got close last night. Um, I thought the fourth line stepped up as well. I I mean, we could literally talk about this game for four or five hours, and I'm probably not get to every aspect of where the Jets were good. But I can tell you this, we'll do our best with our guests over the next little while to uh, break it all down. And uh, uh, I know you had a friend. I mean, we both had a number of, friends and acquaintances shout out to our pal trevor not i know marcia was there your cousin adam was there uh people that went in and, and i think the vegas golden knights fans left a little bit in shock as to what they saw because that wasn't a winnipeg team that you know really had a tough time winning in that building in the past and
1: um there was no doubt who the better team was last night through 60 minutes yeah no doubt i mean fans were booing i mean um home fans booing their top you know their teams was a theme where we saw uh, what happened in Toronto and last night and in Vegas. Of course, you mentioned this uh, Dylan Sandberg making his playoff debut. This stat line from him and Schmidt pairing at five on five really blew me away. They played eleven minutes and forty two seconds together. They were on the ice for thirteen shot attempts. Four. You know how many shot attempts they allowed? Schmidt and Sandberg only two. Um absolutely incredible. And yeah, we had heard a lot about uh Mark Stone and his return. Uh I think there's some questions about his, you know, ability to get up to speed very quickly after not having played uh, for so long. And Jack Eichel, as you said, uh the minus three. So uh, it did not go Vegas' way. Everything went well for the Jets. Um I mean you could probably go down go down the lineup, but I mean just what a what a performance! And I mean, we knew that the Jets would be able to give Vegas a run and take them, you know, tip, you know, potential for six, seven game series. But to just have that dominant hmm. of a performance in game one, I mean, absolutely incredible! And this is the team. Like, they're, are the Jets back now? The back to how they were playing in the first half of the year? Because it's just been that was better.
0: It, that was better.
1: <laughs> it was. Well, it's just I, so. I, I cra- mean, I challenge
0: yeah. anyone. I challenge anyone to give me an example of a 60-minute performance by the Winnipeg Jets that, you know, rivaled that one. I was thinking about this after the game. Uh, The one game that sort of stood out to me as, you know, a a perfect road game was the game that they played in Pittsburgh. Um, And that was a big save Dave game, second end of a back-to-back, where the Jets thoroughly handled the Pittsburgh Penguins for a full 60 minutes, kept the shots down very, very low. I mean, Riddick had one of his easiest nights, but again, with the stakes being cranked up to where they were last night with what was on the line going on the road, game one of a playoff series against a team that beat the Edmonton Oilers and the LA Kings and the rest of the Western conference to the top of the table. Uh, I mean, that was the blueprint. And I'm sure Rick Bonus must have gone to sleep with a big bleep-eating grin on his face because that is exactly what he's been trying to get out of this team beginning with the first day of training camp. And um, I think it speaks to the job that he's done, the buy-in of the players on the team and their commitment and will to do what it takes to win, and uh, I, I don't think there's any way that these playoffs could have started any better for the Winnipeg Jets than what they did last night. Confidence levels should be very high in that locker room, and I can tell you from hearing all the hearing all the fans uh, in the chat right now, confidence levels are quite high here on uh, with Winnipeg Sports Talk. Um, ben Howard, look at Ben. Supporting the, the fellas, a nice $10 super chat, 10 bucks for every Jets win. Your turn, T-Kona. Guys, not necessary, but greatly appreciated. And Mitch Jansen, how about this, Remo? Dropping 20 Winnipeg Sports, or gifting 20 Winnipeg Sports Talk memberships. To people in the chat that haven't yet got the members, we, we we may have to add a few new emotes or something like that for the whiteout and for playoffs right now. But uh, the vibe check is very high in
1: the WST chat. And we greatly appreciate the generosity there, uh, Mitch and Ben. Yeah, I mean we're seeing 658 people here. We're just getting started, and uh, and I know we like we've been seeing huge increases in subs or podcast downloads. Shout out to people listening on podcast uh, more. Than ever. So people very fired up. And um, the Jets, not only did they win, like this was a very, very convincing uh, victory last night. So uh, spirits are high. I think it's important to, you know, you don't want to get too, I don't think every game is going to be like that. But, uh, you know, for a team that had questions on, okay, which team is going to show up, it was the team that was better than the addition that we had seen earlier on this season. And yeah, you just hope that they can continue it.
0: You know what? I, I had to laugh last night, and I know Kevin dayoff at the trade deadline was taking a ton of heat from many of you in the chat, many Winnipeg Jet fans, and, and obviously things weren't going well for the team, and the team on the ice was not doing him any favors to really inspire a lot of confidence. But the two ads that Chevy made at relatively reasonable costs. I mean, to me, I think the value that he got for a second and fourth round pick with Nito Niederreiter with another year on his deal and Vlad Nemetsnikov right there with the best deals made in the entire league at the time. But I do remember Sheveldeov speaking afterwards and said, you know, I believe in this team. And a lot of people, and, and listen, at the time it was easy to roll your eyes at it. Um, especially considering what we'd seen in years past. And we don't need to relitigate the last few years of the Jets. There was a lot of, there was a lot of people that I think needed to be convinced. But I have to give Sheffield Day off credit. Um, th- what we saw last night was exactly what he thought was possible, what he had been trying to build. And um, listen, we didn't see it enough in the regular season. And that's why it was a white-knuckle ride to the finish line for the team to get into the playoffs. But I'll tell you what, with a goaltender like Connor Hellebuck and performances like we had from top to the bottom of the, uh, of the uh, of lineup last night, this team is absolutely capable of winning this series if they continue to do that. And I'll tell you what, we've talked all year about how wide open the West is. I mean, you can't get too high after one win and getting too far ahead of yourselves. But I really do believe this is, this is the team. This was the best case scenario for the Winnipeg Jets and for the general manager and what I think they knew was possible of this club. And we saw the best of it and what a great time to make that happen. Um, by the way, I'm pushing 700 in the chat right now. Hit that red subscribe button. If you haven't jets fans and uh, join us daily 1 PM right here on Winnipeg sports talk. And the other thing I want to give a, a shout out is to you Reem and our pal Skyler Peters of 680 CGOB Radio. I know Sky does most of uh, his uh, work on the news side of things over at the station, but he uh, worked with us for a while at TSN 1290. A Very, very talented young guy. Great takes on hockey and... For those of you that needed more content after Illegal Curve and after Kenny and Rennie, uh, Remo and Skyler did a great sort of 20-25 minute summary and breakdown of the game last night. It's all there on the YouTube channel and you could look for more of that throughout the playoffs in addition to the great post game content that we've got from many of our other friends in the digital space, Kenny and Rennie and Illegal Curve, to name just a few. Um, Alright, we are going to get to some clips. Um, just before we do that though, let me give a it- Big shout out to Modern Man Barbershop, one of our newest sponsors. Eight locations in Winnipeg, and Modern Man now has two brand new ones. Uh, One on Pamina Highway, close to the university, right near Bishop Grandin, as well as on the east side over on Plessy Road. Uh, Modern Man has you completely covered, fellas, for whatever you need. A variety of grooming services, including haircuts, beard shaping, shaves, color services, and more. I might need to make a little trip into Modern Man in the next few days to get ready for Saturday. Book your look via ModernManBarber.com online and make an appointment. You can also give them a follow on Instagram at Modern Man Barber Shops. And, um, you know, we're talking about spring right now. As I mentioned, we're going to get a bunch of snow tomorrow. Don't care. Don't care. Full positive vibe, playoff mood right now. Snow as much as you want. Bring a real ride out here. Welcome back to Winnipeg, Vegas. That being said, the snow is going to be gone. The summer's coming up. And why not make 2023 the year you take the plunge by visiting aqua-tech.ca to design your own custom pool? Their team can provide on-the-spot pricing from designers as well as financing options that suit you. And, you know, they do more than just design pools though. over at AquaTech with thousands of renos as their foundation. Let them ups- upgrade any space in your home with uh, their home renovation program. Uh, AquaTech's ready to make your reno dreams a reality. Learn more about design, pricing, and financing options at aqua-tech.ca. Hey, no questions about the Jets battery last night and that big win against the Vegas Golden Knights, and no question where the best place in Winnipeg to get batteries is. That's from our friends over at Manitoba Battery at 1026 Logan Avenue. Whether you need one for your car, your truck, or... For that summer toy you're working on right now, Manitoba Battery's got the best price and the most convenient service because they'll deliver it to you for less than you'd get it anywhere else. So you can no longer waste your time getting a parking spot at Costco or waiting in line at Canadian Tire. All you got to do is give them a phone call or order online. Like right around the start of Winnipeg Sports Talk, it'll be on your doorstep later on today for less than you'd spend anywhere else in Winnipeg on the same battery. Give Donnie and his staff a call at 204-783-8787. You can order online at manitobabattery.com or give them a visit in person down at 1026 Logan Avenue. And, hey, I'm sure there were a few cheers being uh, thrown up from uh, WSTers after the game last night. No better way to do that than with Canada's favorite Canadian whiskey. Canadian club also the official spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and uh, hey if you're making your party plans for Thursday as well as Saturday and Monday if you're not at the game and you haven't tried it out check out the new Canadian club and ginger ale it's now available in 473 milliliter cans at Manitoba liquor marts but it's also available at your favorite and closest beer vendor so it makes a great addition to a whiteout party and uh, won't be too long before we're sipping on a few of those at IG Field watching the blue and gold. Canada's favorite Canadian whiskey, Canadian club, available at your local Manitoba Liquor marts. So, all right, we do have a bunch of clips, and we will play them a little bit later on. Sean Reynolds is going to jump on in just a second. Marada Tesh as well from The Athletic, and then we'll have some time to... Maybe dive into some of the post-game content from the Winnipeg Jets later on. But uh, let's not wait any longer because the guy himself. I'm not sure whether we're talking to Sean Reynolds of Sportsnet today or Rennie of Kenny and Rennie. But uh, I know our pal Ren is here right now to talk about, I mean, the best possible case for the Winnipeg Jets
2: to start off a series last night. Ren, what's going on? How are you? Nothing. You touched on something there. I've got about seven personalities I'm working with. So uh, I'll let you love know it. when I figure it out, which one you're working with today. <laughs> uh,
0: well, you know what? It's kind of funny because the Winnipeg Jets have had a few personalities over the course of this hockey season, no but uh, it was putting their best foot forward last night. I've been thinking about this since the end of the game. I can't think of a, a 60 minute performance, to be honest, that maybe comes close to what we saw last night. Um, what a way to kick this series off, and what a performance from every member of the Winnipeg Jets that put a jersey on last night.
2: Yeah, I'm trying to think of the last time we saw a Winnipeg Jets game like that. I'm thinking, you know, you probably have to go back to 2018, and I'm thinking even in, you know, maybe maybe the game in which they eliminate the Minnesota Wild. Mm-hmm. Uh, had that feeling of just dominance, just like we're bigger than you, we're stronger than you, we're faster than you, we're more skilled than you. Hey, guys, we're better than you, and we're just going to take this game and there's nothing you can do about it. That, that's the feel that that game had last night. And, and to your point about, you know, the different personalities – I mean, I went in. I did a, a hit into the into the pregame before the Toronto Maple Leafs game, and and I focused on that. Like the idea that Vegas is a team we know what their identity is. We know that because they've repeated it over and over and over again throughout the year, and that's how they end up in first place. We knew the Winnipeg Winnipeg Jets were capable of doing this, but the question with them, as it has been for a number of years, is: Will they do it? Will they decide to do it? Um, Boy, oh boy, like talk about timing. There's always been this feeling with Winnipeg Jets fans, and it's it's something that I've kind of explored in my mind over the years. You you know that the Jets are just always waiting, or sorry, the Jets fans are always waiting to say, when are they gonna flip the switch? When are they gonna flip the switch? And I was starting to examine over the last number of years, can the Jets just flip the switch? Is it as simple as that, or is there something out there? That, that keeps them from being that kind of team that we don't see? And I think the answer is they can this entire time. They've been able to flip the switch. Why they don't do it, I think, is maddening to Jets fans. But you're talking about a team that, down the stretch, didn't know, look like it knew what its identity was, struggled to kind of put the game they wanted to on the ice. I don't know that we have seen a, a performance... Like that, like even that game against Minnesota, which I think was important. I think you saw elements in DNA of that Minnesota game where they had that, you know, fight and scratch and claw to their game that that evolved into what we saw last night. But I, I, I don't know that we've seen an expression of their game like that since earlier in the season so for them to seemingly on command find that game play it to perfection shut down the neutral zone the way that they did create offense the way it did it was really remarkable and you know i don't want to say unexpected because i i think that that we all knew as a team that they could do that because we've seen them do it earlier this year but at the same time it is unexpected because the the idea that this team would be able to find its very best at the very most crucial moment. when this was a team that faltered down the stretch and made things way more uncomfortable than they needed to be to a degree. It's unexpected what they did last night, but, but boy, oh boy, what they did last night was it was, that was Mozart. If it's music, (laughs) uh, that's Picasso. If it's art, they nailed it. They made hockey look like perfection last night.
0: Well, and and you know what, listen, I'm, I wouldn't go so far as to say this was a a flip switching because I think, you know, we've all talked about that and particularly in previous years. I mean, back in the Paul Maurice days with those real struggles towards the end of the season, you think, okay, you're going to get to the playoffs. To me, this team bottomed out about three or four weeks ago, Sean, and and I think the fact that they were playing for their playoff lives, the fact that they blew everything that they earned in the first 45 to 50 games of the season with that ugly stretch of hockey uh, post-All-Star break, I think it forced them to do a number of things, I think, for the players to look in the mirror to realize that they really needed to recommit themselves to it. And it didn't happen overnight. I mean, to me, it was sort of a gradual process. The Detroit and New Jersey games, I thought, were pivotal because they just remembered that they can score goals again. I mean, it was crazy for a team that had so much offensive talent how difficult they were having just putting a red light on I thought they got their mojo back as far as scoring there and then it was a bit of a reality check again against the Calgary Flames with that loss. And every single one of those games to uh, in the quest to to get that playoff spot and to confirm that they're part of a playoff team, I think they built on it. But I'm with you. I mean, even the most optimistic part of my brain could not maybe wrap my head around going into Las Vegas and manhandling that team the way they did last night. I'll tell you what, though, and I gave Kevin Day off some credit because I know he took a lot of heat before. We talked about how he said he believed in his team and believed in this group. This was the blueprint of exactly the best-case scenario of this team that he's put together last night. And to me, it starts at the center position. And it's kind of ironic that we're talking about this with Mark Scheifele having been moved from center to the wing. But my God, Pierre-Luc Dubois and Adam Lowry both went absolute beast mode last night. Um, I thought Lowry was consistent through the entire game and obviously put it away at the end. But man, Dubois was engaged from the first shift and the plays that he made at the beginning of the second period to get the Jets the lead. I mean, just the control, the puck, and, you know, really making Jack Eichel insignificant on that first play, getting it into the slot, which teams have not done very well against Vegas, to Kyle Connor and having him finish it. And then Dubois coming right back and scoring very shortly later. To me, that set the tone. He was the driver up front for the Winnipeg Jets. And when you've got two big centers playing the way those guys had, and both of them did lower the shoulder bull rushes to the net. Um, th- those guys are problems for other teams. And when you have both of those guys playing that way, especially in a situation where you're missing a guy like Nikolai Ehlers, um, to me, those two in particular really set the tone and led the way for the Winnipeg Jets.
2: Yeah, you're entirely right about Pierre-Luc Dubois. I, I had a conversation with him before the game. I was fascinated by the conversation with him. He said that he wanted to bury that series that we all talk about when he was in Columbus and he helped shut down the Toronto Maple Leafs said it said basically like he wants to forget about that because he needs to evolve and he needs to move on from that. And I think he did. Like, I think as good as he was in that series against the Toronto Maple Leafs, I think last night is a version of Pierre-Luc Dubois that is better than any version that we've seen before. And I think the one thing we know is when Pierre-Luc Dubois is going, he's not just potentially scoring. He's not just a guy who gets you the puck and helps you possess it, you know, increases your numbers. He just affects the other team's mind. He affects the other team's soul. I just think everything that he does was on display last night. Uh, you talked about, you know, the, the, the plays that he makes on those first two goals. Like that, those first two goals for me are, is where they break the Vegas Golden Knights. The, the feeling that that you saw on their bench after William Carlson scores to make it 2-1. Uh, I, I don't know how Jets fans felt about it. Maybe people were getting nervous or thinking, here we go. Uh, I, I thought that they went to the bench and celebrated in a manner that was like, oh my God, that's what it takes to get a goal in this series. We still got to go get another <laughs> one. Whereas the Jets were just thinking, we're just going to keep going and keep going and keep going. Um, and I thought that mindset that Pierre Luc Dubois put out there had something to do with it. But but the other part of that is as skilled as he is, and as much as he likes to to wear on people and frustrate people, you know, I'd loved him drawing uh, Lauren Brissaud after he scores the goal. And again, dude, no your question, response.
3: your
0: question after the game for folks that missed the <laughs> for folks that missed the post game. Rennie's asking PLD about, and I mean, very. we were talking about it watching the game with folks when he did that. I'm like, he was doing that same shit against Calgary two weeks ago exactly. after they had exactly. scored, and you brought that up, and it, you explained it on Kenny and Rennie. I mean, his answer was, I don't know what you're talking about with a bit of a mischievous grin, <laughs> but it, explain to people if they didn't see it on KNR what he was seeing that viewers couldn't see while you were asking him this question.
2: So when we're doing an interview, it's myself and whoever I'm with. And in this case, is Pierre Dubois standing in front of the camera. There, there is the cameraman facing us, but beside the cameraman is a stage manager who you'll notice he was wearing his hockey night in Canada towel, right? And so the stage manager goes and puts that on his shoulders. And the stage manager is, manager is kind of there if we need anything, right? If anything's going on, if we have got to grab a guy a bottle of water or something like that, or if we're having trouble with our audio, he'll you know get to, to the truck and so what he, and contact the truck and say that we're having issues. So one of the things that they do is if, if you know, in those cases where we say to a player, take us through that goal. You know, if it was a really nice goal, we did, we did it with Line A all the time because he was always getting these goals. And Line A loved doing that, where you'd get the stage manager and he'd watch the video and he'd talk his way through the goal that he just had. So what's happening behind the scenes there is the stage manager is holding a, a monitor and he's showing – Pierre-Luc Dubois scoring the goal and then showing our great camera shot that we had in that game of Pierre-Luc Dubois chirping Lauren Brossois and Lauren, you know, kind of trying to ignore it and whatever. So the funny part about that is I bring it up. I tied it to the Barkstrom thing from back in Calgary because I just thought that that was, I can't remember seeing that. I don't know about you. Me neither. A player getting scored on and then going the length of the ice (laughs) all the way down to go chirp the goaltender afterwards. I just thought was hilarious and then you've got him doing this again in this game so I tie the two together so when he says I can't remember he's watching him do it the evidence is there he very much remembers that I just I love I love the idea like it was the perfect way to answer the question right because the, basically in answering the question the way he does he knows what he's doing he doesn't want to talk about it too much but it's almost one of those you know wink wink things he knows what's going on and we know how pierre luc dubois approaches these things he is in a mind war with the team and it's it's something i loved that he'd said before the game that he he learned from john tortorella he said the idea that in the playoffs you know, games bleed into each other and how game one ends bleeds into game two and so on and so forth throughout the rest of the series. So what I loved about his response in that game, but also the Winnipeg Jets response in that game is this wasn't a case where they got up and then coasted or took it easy or let's save some in the tank for game two. I thought the Winnipeg Jets went out in that game and the way they ended that game was they played that game like they were trying to win game four and win the series in game one. They're trying to break this team. They're trying to make them the, the Golden Knights know that it will be despite the fact they're only down one game. They want them to feel like it is a huge Hill, a huge mountain to climb to get back into the series. I thought they did a really good job.
0: (laughs) You know, Renny, and I thought of you at the end of the game, and I'm not sure. I mean, I know, you know, with your roles, often, you know, people in your position, you know, might not get a chance to see the last five minutes of the game because you're going downstairs to it. But They even brought out a little snake charmer offense, as you like to say. But who knew that it would be Nemetsnikov, Niederreiter, and Lowry putting the exclamation mark on it with a little globetrotter stuff at the end of that game?
2: So I I don't like. Let's be clear. When I talk about the snake charmer offense, and I talk about it in a negative light, which I've done plenty on our show before, when i talk about it like that it's when the jets stop going for the right kind of offense and go solely for that which i think has been a big problem with with this team over the years they love to globe trotter, and I think that that's something that we saw. Like, if you're trying to explain what went wrong with the Jets this year and why they're the eighth seed right now and maybe not the first seed, it's because they fall in love with the Snake Charmer offense, and they get going into that, and it's all they want to do. And then goals start out. They start ripping things up, I think, around the time that they were, you know, at the height of that was that game that they beat uh, uh, the uh, – uh, uh, Vancouver Canucks, I think it was a seven five game, and just all the offense in that game is wow and pass, pass pass, but but you, you those kind of goals dry up when it gets hard i don 't mind snake charmer goals i don 't mind beautiful, pretty passing plays, and what they, what happened why it 's happening at that point of the game is because they 've broken the Vegas Golden Knights, the Vegas Golden Knights have stopped playing, so they 've stopped their structure, they make it easy, and if you 're the Winnipeg Jets, and the other team 's going to make it easy on you. Why not go out, fill your boots, have a gorgeous passing play to make it 5-1 in the process? Absolutely go for it. Just don't do the thing that the Winnipeg Jets have done time after time after time after time, that when things start getting easy... They only want it to be easy. They only want that kind of offense. They only want to globe trot. They don't want to go out and get in a in a brawl and a fist fight and t- you know punch a team in the mouth and take a punch in the mouth. And, and the reason we're talking about them having the success that they did last night is because they walked out and slugged the Vegas Golden Knights in the mouth. And when they tried to get up, they did it right away again. And basically looked down at them and said, "Stay down." And the Vegas Golden Knights stayed down in that game, which again I think bodes well for the Winnipeg Jets going forward. You know
0: what? Um, you know, going back to the first period, um, and we talked about it right off the bat. I mean, Connor Hallebuck was, you know, at some point the uh the old Maytag repairman, the chairman of the board. Certainly, I mean, I still yeah. can't believe that they only allowed two shots against in, Amazing. The,
2: in the in the third period. Against the NHL's best comeback team, best <laughs> yeah. third period comeback team. But in the
0: first period, um you know, these teams were feeling each other out in the first 10 minutes or so of the uh, uh, of the period. And there was a couple of plays where the Vegas 4-check vor- Vegas was able to create those turnovers. And, I mean, the one save that he made off Brett Howden, I thought, was maybe yes. the key. Rick Bonus talks about timely saves. To get a save like that, setting the tone that Connor Hellebuck was there to play, I think, you know, injected a whole new level of confidence. But... There was a time in that first period where I was really wondering how the Winnipeg Jets defense would be able to handle that Vegas forecheck for the full 60 minutes. And what was interesting, what had happened, and I'm not sure whether this was, you know, bringing the guys in when they were on the bench and whether this was coaching, but from about the midpoint on of the first period, they were not under a lot of duress behind their own goal line in getting the puck out. And it ended up at times being somewhat simple and some would say almost boring. But Josh Morrissey, Neil Pionk, Nate Schmidt and Dylan Sandberg, when they were out there getting the puck, knowing where their players were going to be and successfully clearing the zone, um, they weren't in some of those positions that you know had been problematic for the Jets over the course of the season. And honestly, what the Vegas Golden Knights do, as well as most teams in the NHL, is make you make mistakes in your own end trying to get it out. And uh, I, I think a quiet part of that game was just how the Winnipeg Jets learned from the first 10 minutes, handled that, and broke the puck out. And the minute the puck got out of their own zone, then the speed and the skill of the Winnipeg Jets could take over, creating those scoring chances on the rush and creating a lot of ozone possession for Winnipeg.
2: Yeah, I think the key to what you're talking about and why their zone, their own zone was so clean and they were able to exit it so easily. I think the Winnipeg Jets won that game in their own blue line last night. And what I mean by that is how many times did we see a lone Vegas Golden Knights player skating the puck into the the Winnipeg Jets zone and there's two defensemen and two back-checking forwards closing in on him, trapping him into a box, and there were no other Vegas Golden Knights players to be found. The, the the Jets cleaned up their own zone by the only way they would allow the puck into their own zone was flipped in behind the defensemen with a tr- a forest of players that the 4 had to get through. Uh, and half the time when they were coming back down, Those four checkers, there was only one of them because everyone was changing because they were tired from what the Winnipeg Jets had just done in the offensive zone. If you think about this, the Pierre-Luc Dubois goal, it's a puck that the Vegas Golden Knights have and it gets turned over by the Winnipeg Jets. They force a turnover as they're trying to get into the Jets zone and all of a sudden the puck goes back up ice and Pierre-Luc Dubois has a little bit of a mini breakaway and it's in the back of the net. This was a Rick bonus masterpiece last night where he had the Winnipeg Jets doing that thing where they say, we don't wait for them to bring us the puck. We go get it. And what he does is as soon as the Vegas golden Knights get the puck, they've got, you know, puck hounds like Morgan Barron and Mason Appleton and players like that chasing them from behind so they get this sense where they have to skate the puck fast towards the Winnipeg Jets defensemen who aren't backing down they're just standing there and it's like a vice you're just closing the player off and crushing them off and so what what I thought made it so clean for the Winnipeg Jets in their own zone and entirely neutralize the the Vegas Golden Knights forecheck was that Their forecheck was non-existent. It's a a ferocious forecheck when it gets going. It never got going because the Winnipeg Jets never allowed them into their zone in a position where they could pressure the puck. And it just made it really easy on the Winnipeg Jets moving things out. And I think, you know, you get sick and tired. Like, offense is fun. And even at this level, even when all you want to do is win, It's still fun to get out and have that shift where you roll and you get an opportunity and you go back to the bench and you didn't score, but you say, oh, keep doing that, boys. We're going to be fine. The Jets didn't even leave that for the Vegas Golden Knights last night. There wasn't those moments of we keep doing what we're doing. We're going to be fine. There were no answers apparent last night for the Vegas Golden Knights. I'm sure they were frustrated. It's the big task for Bruce Cassidy today because his system was trumped by Rick Bonas' system last night, and he needs to figure out a way to tweak it because last night Rick Bonus's system and the way the Winnipeg Jets played it looked impenetrable, and they took, like you had mentioned, one of the most ferocious forechecks in the entire NHL and made them a non-factor in that game.
0: Sean Reynolds of uh, Sportsnet down in Vegas joining us on Winnipeg Sports Talk discussing the Jets' 5-1 win in Game 1 of their first-round Stanley Cup playoff series against the Vegas Golden Knights. If you, you missed it, make sure to check out the post-game coverage from Kenny and Rennie on their YouTube channel and get ready for another k After Dark on Thursday night following Thursday's game number two. Um, the legend of Morgan Barron was born last night. Um, you were in the building. You made the report, and I loved your chirp back on Biexa, who did... Besmirch you at one point yes. on the uh, yes. thing, although he does that he can't everyone. handle the truth. He can't <laughs> handle the truth. Um, <laughs> you're in the building for that. Um uh, that was I, I had to turn away from the television as they kept showing it. It was just such a scary and dangerous play. Um tell us what it was like behind the scenes as you tried to get information on Baron, and then I, I can tell you we talked in the chat about how. Inspiring was just a fans to see him come out of the tunnel with that full cage and be ready to go again. I can't imagine what that was like for his teammates, but um, 75 stitches is an insane number, Sean. Um, How did you learn that, and uh, what was it like as you know the initial scare of what had happened? He goes in, you know, and gets sewn up for well over. I mean, it took the end of the first period and through the intermission of the second period of the uh, of the event that people are talking about around the hockey world, and frankly, even outside of hockey, um, just that this guy took such a dangerous play, got stitched up, and then was back out there helping his team win a massive hockey game.
2: Well, let's just say this. The Jets organization was firing on all cylinders last night. Kenny and I went out after we did Kenny and Rennie last night. We went to the New York, New York... Uh, piano bar and we ran into some of the jets uh trainers and equipment staff there and i walked over and i said like geez for, for a game for you guys like it felt like you know the coach did his job um clearly the general manager has already done his job in, in getting uh the team where they are uh, mark chipman's down here he's at morning skates he's you know looks in fine form uh Everyone, the PR staff, I gave them a shout-out on Kenny and Rennie last night because, man, oh, man, were they ever on fire last night. They're working with us. They're working with Vegas Broadcast. They're working with CJOB. They're working with ESPN. There's rankings of when players are asked for, who goes to who, and they were just firing on all cylinders last night. And it's the organization that made us aware of, of the stitch count, also made us aware the doctor that stitched him up. Like, you want to know why it's 75 stitches? Uh, I think I talked about this in the show last night. I've been stitched up, I think, about seven or eight times in my, you know, hockey career. You'd never know it, Sean. (laughs) You'd never know it. (laughs) Yeah. But, uh, you know, like you get an inch uh, cut and it's usually I think that's about four to five stitches or something like that. Well, that's for schlubs like me who they don't mind. They look like Frankenstein, the older that they get. Right. You're a hockey player. You want them to you're going to get cut a lot. You want to make sure they look good so it's a plastic surgeon that's a, that's doing the stitching and you know it was described to me yesterday as as like micro stitches right like these tiny stitches that you can barely even see because if if you look at you know a, when he gets the bandage off, you're going to look at Morgan Barron and you're not going to see like 75 definitive stitches with the tied the ends a little bit loose and hanging out. It's these tiny, tiny little stitches that are put together by a plastic surgeon who's trying to make sure that this scar is as invisible as it could possibly be. So I do think that there's, there's something to be said about the idea of what we, the laymen see as 75 stitches that's something that would start you know from your ankle uh and go to the very top of your leg to your hip that's what it would take for us to get 75 stitches this is a different
0: case well there are but layers it, of stitches in something like that like you're getting stitched exactly. up inside and then they're bringing it closer and doing it again i mean that's exactly was a you're, cut.
2: yeah you <laughs> excuse me you're 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 working your way from the inside out so there's a number of stitches at one layer and the, the next layer and then the outer layer and all that kind of stuff but Uh, it was interesting. You talked about it, uh, that, that feeling when he came out, um, we were trying to time this in a way because the jets PR staff was so on point. They, they'd said to us had this many stitches, but he's returning. So we got to kind of build up the, the idea that the Morgan Baron return is imminent. It's coming, folks. Oh, you guys right? had Which a bug makes-
0: on the screen. I mean, we were sitting there in the bar with everyone watching, and you know, it, you know, the sound was on, but you know, there's people talking. Everyone's firing up. Yeah, and you saw the bug, Morgan Baron. Will return the yes. buzz through the place when that went on. I'm like, are you serious? Oh, it was so cool. exactly.
2: So we get to do that, and we get to say that. I get to make that report live on air. And then there was a point where the Jets PR staff was saying, "Okay, he's almost coming out, right?" So they were giving us like. You know, play by play behind the scenes, he's about to come out, and there was this point at which we were doing this story, and I was I was gonna do the story, and it was, you know, an entirely different story. And I I had to be prepared, you know, in my ear, my producer Scott Carruthers, who's just an absolute beauty, and if you liked what you saw from the game, like you're talking about. That's Scott Carruthers. It's his vision coming alive. He's an absolute pro, and I'm so happy to be doing this series with him. They call it the no-stress series out of all the series that Sportsnet is doing right now, just because we've got such an awesome crew that is jam-packed with Winnipegers, technical people who are down here doing their work. It's the no-stress series because it's hard to have stress when you're working with so many pros. But Butter Scott Carruthers, his nickname is Butter, is in my ear and he's saying, Okay, you're doing this story, but at some point you gotta switch to it because the the PR staff is saying that Morgan Barron could come out any second. So I'm Doing this story, and I'm kind of hyping it up. I'm kind of dragging my feet and not go into play, but make the story last as long as it can so that I can say, and by the way, guys, have a look down the tunnel, do like almost like a WWE introduction. <laughs> as by God, there goes Morgan Barron, right? And you're hoping for that moment. And we just missed it, but we still were able to do it kind of in play. Um, we wouldn't have been able to do that if uh, you know, the likes of Gregor Buer. Uh, or Scott Brown with the Winnipeg Jets weren't absolutely firing on all cylinders last night. They helped create great TV. The other interesting part, and I'll dive into this little, just a tiny little bit. I don't want to do too much behind-the-scenes stuff, but you talked about how hard it was to watch the the, the Morgan Barron uh, play on instant replay over and over again. We were reached out to by, by the Jets PR staff and said, do we really need to be showing this over and over again? Good for them. It was turning my stomach. (laughs) Good for them to do that. Uh, And I will say the, the reason towards the end that we were doing it is you'll notice the player, I believe it was Braden McNabb sees what happens, the Vegas player and, and reaches out, you can see the concern on his face. Like the game stops for Brayden McNabb, which which says a lot because even Morgan Barron said in that moment, what was he thinking? He's trying to figure out if the puck crossed the line. Braden McNabb stopped worrying about the puck crossing the line yeah. and started worrying about... You know, showing his humanity in the moment and trying to check on Morgan Barron and see if he was okay. The last couple times we showed that was we're trying to show the humanity of hockey on the ice. As I'm pretty sure it's Braden McNabb, a good friend of Nate Schmitz, by the way, um, was trying to make sure in that moment that there's something horrific hadn't happened to Morgan Barron. That's an explanation of why you were seeing what you were seeing on the ice. It should be noted that, you know, thought the, there are thoughts consistently going, I can tell you this, I can tell you this. If we go back to the the Mark Shifley hit on Jake Evans, I can tell you there's a version of that hit that was never seen by anyone outside of the people in that truck because it was so disturbing, the camera angle that was caught of that Mark Shifley hit on Jake Evans, that it never saw the light of day. These are the considerations that are made in the truck behind the scenes to make sure that we're honoring the players on the ice. So for those of you who were wondering about us showing that over and over again, there was a reasoning behind it. There was thought put into the kind of gruesome nature of it. There's a balance there. Do we always nail that balance a hundred percent? It's impossible to do that, but but we're trying.
0: Well, and, and listen, I mean, I know it wouldn't have been if the if the result was a lot more was was a lot worse. I mean, you know, no it, was, doubt. it was a lucky vote. And I believe Something pretty terrible sure it was, had
2: happened. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I'm pretty sure it was Chandler Stevenson actually that was the Sorry, um, Chandler
2: Stevenson. That's that who it was the was. Uh, yes, that's why I kept doubting myself.
0: Yeah, no, no, it, it's all, all good on that. But anyways, that I mean, what a way to uh, what a way to start off this series um, and, and, you know, that is just one of those little things of, um, you know, a, a, a one member of a team, you know, stepping up, kind of going beyond and, and, you know, you wonder whether he would have come back to a game if that was the regular season. Bottom line is everything is on the line come playoff time. And the Winnipeg Jets showed it, Sean, you were there though. And, and I mean, we'll ask Murad about this a little bit in, in a minute too. Um and we're of course, you know, focusing in on all the good things that the Winnipeg Jets did and the post game from the Jet side of things. What the, what was the vibe around the Vegas side of things? I mean, how did they react to, um, in a lot of ways, getting punched in the mouth by a team that, um, you know, was a pretty big underdog going in, and um, I think they expected it to go a lot different than it did last night.
2: So I can't dive into that too deep because our, our my main man Dan Murphy, who's an absolute beauty uh uh the Vancouver Canucks SportsNet guy who just absolutely has been slaying it for 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 decades uh, w- with that, uh, we're so lucky to have him covering the series here. He's covering the series for news. My uh, my duties as a host in the series take me in different. Just like you would said, I mean, the last five minutes of that game, I barely saw the Lowry. You know, I caught the tail end of it uh, because I'm moving in the hallway preparing and setting up for that uh, interview with Pierre-Luc Dubois. I didn't get into the dressing room after um, all I can tell you is, uh, boy, if, if there's a, a response or whatever the mood was, uh, it, it it better have been different than on the ice or they better have found a way to park it after last night, felt the emotion and moved on because I saw zero response from that team. Um, now, do I think that they're going to come back and push? I do. But but I'm a big believer that I think the Winnipeg Jets have found something here. Um, and if they can stick to what they've found, they will be extremely hard to beat, even if Vegas is able to get to their best. I'm very interested in, Like to me, the clock now turns and all eyes turn towards Bruce Cassidy because... The, the Vegas Golden Knights players went out last night and they looked lost. And this is what happens when you are getting out coached. As a player, you know, Jack Eichel, you saw it a couple of times. He did draw a penalty doing it. But even on the play where he drew a penalty, Jack Eichel tried to stick handle through three guys. And every time you see that happening, that's just that's just a player who's lost, who's just like he, he, there's no plan Get the puck. Keep skating with the puck until you either get through everybody or someone takes it off your stick. That's the the only option the Jets really gave that team last night. The Vegas Golden Knights players were lost with the clock, and the spotlight turns to Bruce Cassidy right now, because if he can't figure out a way to counteract what Rick Bonus had his players doing last night, this series is not going to last very long.
0: Well, I can tell you that uh, it's going to be bananas here in Winnipeg for games 3 and 4, but... Uh big opportunity for the Jets to really go for the throat tomorrow no night and uh, if they play like they did last night that's going to be tough uh just quickly before we go I mean Jack Eichel I thought was underwhelming in his playoff debut but the big question about Mark Stone and how much how close to 100 percent Mark Stone would be I think got answered as well last night um you know for all the people that thought that this was a, a big ruse by the Golden Knights just to you know, for a cap intervention um, that looked like a guy that was coming off back surgery and playing his first game in two or three
2: months. Yeah, credit to my main man, Kenny. He's been down here since uh, that last Colorado game. So in, in doing so, he's been uh, around the the Vegas Golden Knights and around their practice facility. And the one thing that he'd said time and time again is when he watched Mark Stone, Mark Stone looks gassed. He looks tired. And there was a time last night, and I, I do believe uh, there was a, the jets took a penalty on the play, but uh, Mark stone was that they were trying to create some offense down in the jet zone and our cameras followed him to the bench and he looked gassed like absolutely gassed. And, and so I think, I think you make a good point. And, you know, as a, as a fan of a hockey team, when there's, you know, these these cap circumventing moves behind the scenes, everyone always gets mad. I'm sure you heard about it on your show. We sure heard about it on our play pre, playoff preview show for Kenny and Rennie, how mad people were and how this was you know, a disgrace to the league that Mark Stone was coming in here and he could have come back a long time ago. This was a risk um, Mark Stone said it uh, before game one. He'd said like, this is a huge jump that he's trying to make here. He'd said in making that huge jump, he's not trying to be dominant out there, which Mark Stone at the top of his game can be. I mean, Hey, if Mark Stone was at the top of his game, he's the kind of guy who would have the potential to turn this series to a degree. He's so suffocating defensively that he could be the guy who's absolutely turning things around in the favor of the Vegas golden Knights and trapping the jets in their own zone and taking away a lot of that momentum that the jets were able to build. Uh, He looked too tired to do it last night. That's going to be a massive watch of ours going down the stretch here uh, is, is if he'll be able to get his game up to speed because he Jack Eichel, I thought was a a non-factor last night because he didn't know what to do with the puck. So again, he was just trying to skate with the puck until someone took it from him, and the the Jets gladly obliged. Mark Stone didn't look like a factor in that game to me last night because Mark Stone didn't look like he had the wind uh, or the 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 fitness level to be a factor in that game, and I don't think that bodes well for the Vegas Golden Knights because you know the idea of him turning it around and being tip top physical shape by game four. Uh, I don't see that happening. It's going to be interesting to watch this. His take on it is all he's trying to do is make the Vegas Golden Knights a little bit better than they were when he wasn't in the lineup. So baby steps for him uh, to catch up to the chasm that the Winnipeg Jets look to have created between themselves and uh, and the Vegas Golden Knights. It would take more than baby steps to close that chasm.
0: Rennie, this was awesome. Thanks so much for doing this. Uh, jealous of you guys down there, but uh, we'll look forward to seeing you guys back here for Saturday, game three, and Monday, game four. And in the meantime, enjoy Vegas and uh, can't wait to see what we get tomorrow night. And can't wait to hopefully be a part of another rowdy KR chat after a big jet win. It was a hell of a lot of fun last night, and let's do it again tomorrow. Thanks for doing this, pal. All right on. Um, thanks for having me on, bud. All right, there is Sean Reynolds doing a uh, bang-up job for Sportsnet. And, of course, still riding with Kenny post-game following a legal curve over at the Kenny and Rennie YouTube channel. Uh, Marat Atesh up next from The Athletic, also in Las Vegas. Just before we get to Murat, um, big thanks to Vita Health for their great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. If you're looking for great prices on natural and organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries, and Winnipeg's largest assortment of local products head on down to Vita Health at one of seven Winnipeg locations. Have you had your healthy fats today, gang? Yes, there is such a good thing. Omega 3 fatty acids are beneficial for your skin, brain, joint, and heart health. That's where Health First Omega Supreme comes in. Get your healthy fats the easy way with this one a day soft gel. Health First Omega Supreme is on sale all month at Vita Health Fresh Market. Uh, you can also hit their website if you can't make it in and buy online. Local delivery is available, but uh, pop by and see our friends at Vita Health Fresh Market, empowering people to lead healthy lives. Seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store at Linden Ridge and online at myvita.ca. Well, we've had a great winter working with Wallace and Wallace on the Unsung Hero program in the community. We've got one more to announce later on this month, Um, but Wallace and Wallace is getting back to work like so many people are with the turn of the season. They're Winnipeg's fencing and overhead door specialist serving residential and commercial customers since 1946. If you need the security and protection of a new fence or of winter's done a number on your old one, Uh, They've got you covered with vinyl, ornamental, welded wire, chain link, or wood fences. And if it's time to replace your garage door, Wallace & Wallace also has Winnipeg's largest selection of overhead garage doors. Give Wallace & Wallace a call, 204-452-2700. Their team will arrange a time to come out and give you a free estimate. You can also visit them online at wallacefences.com or pop down to their showroom on Lawson Road off of Keniston. Uh, I'm not sure whether you could get a custom white suit in time for Saturday, but I can tell you if you need a custom suit or the best in menswear, you should pop by and see Andrew and his team at F Apparel. Um, custom suits beginning at 400 bucks, along with chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, both tucked and untucked styles, and an incredible selection of menswear accessories. 15% discount for wedding parties when you get your suits at F Apparel, so talk to them about that. And if you got a high school grad... Moving on from grade 12 this year, great deal for high school grads. Get a suit for the young man and F apparel will include a free custom shirt and tie valued at about 150 bucks. F apparel is down at 190 Smith street. You can make an appointment or find out more online at F that's E P H apparel.com and victory blizzards for everybody. Uh, It might be a good day to take the fam down and get ready for the whiteout with a blizzard, the kind we like, not the one that's coming. Uh, the one at Nick and Nicky DQ. DQ Northgate, DQ Polar Park, DQ St. Anne's, DQ Niverville. Spring and summer's just about here. And that means it's DQ time. Pop by and see him and tell him your boys at Winnipeg Sports Talk sent you. All right, let's head back down to Las Vegas for more on the Jets game one win. And we welcome in Maraud of the Athletic. Marat. how are you? What a game last night. Wow.
3: What a game. I'm amazed. So many little details went You've talked about all the big moments. I have some sort of behind the scenes thoughts on some of that as well. But most importantly, for everybody listening, I am sure the Winnipeg Jets won 5 1, put a lot of doubters behind them and probably convinced themselves too that, hey, we didn't play our best game against Vegas all year, but when we do, we win. Well,
0: and, and, and you know, the, the first period I thought was fascinating because it was 0 0 at the end of 20. And uh, the way I saw it was the first 10 minutes or so, you know, the Jets had some shots and the Jets were in the Vegas end, but Vegas's forecheck was, I mean, they were really trying to get on the Winnipeg Jet defenseman and, you know, it created a couple point blank scoring chances, including that one incredible save that Hellebuck made on Howden, which I thought really set the tone that Hellebuck was there to play. But man, I mean, it didn't take very long for the Jets to sort of figure it out. And like we just talked with Sean, you know, we'll talk about PLD and, you know, Lowry and, you know, all the forwards, but the efficiency of which the Winnipeg Jets defense corps got the puck, made the simple pass on the boards to a jet forward to get it out of the zone, and then started dealing with the speed and skill that they have to put pressure on Vegas. Um... I was amazed at how that turned around and it didn't even take until the second intermission or the first intermission for the team to sort of rejig that. And, you know, that was a big reason why the shot clock was what it was in the first period. And once that got going, um, the just never turned around. That was a huge, huge part of what they did well.
3: Yeah. I want to talk about one player in particular, and maybe a surprising Winnipeg Jets player to be focusing on Dylan Sandberg, rookie defenseman, Dylan Sandberg, was the leader in terms of those clean, crisp zone exits for the first several minutes of the game. You saw a little bit of puck management issues, maybe some nerves, dealing with the impressive speed of the Vegas Golden Knights, and you saw giveaways from Josh Morrissey, a play that Dylan DeMello would have wanted back. The veterans weren't always getting it done. I'm just talking about the first few minutes of the game. But you know who was? was the rookie. Sandberg was skating out cleanly. He was passing out cleanly. Everything from start to from the start of the rookie's game was there. And then from there, I thought that Winnipeg's defensemen caught up to the speed of Vegas's four forecheck because that is a real strength. I talked to Nate Schmidt about it the other day, and he was telling me that, you know, you know F1 is coming. The first four checker is going to be there. That's obvious. But the impressive thing or the interesting read that the defensemen have to make is F2, that second four checker, And Vegas they mix it up a little bit. Sometimes they are all over you, and that's one set of reads that you have to make, Schmidt said. Sometimes they back off a little bit. And I thought that Winnipeg navigated the first period well because they figured out when to make the play before F2 and when to look for space behind them. And most importantly, when it wasn't there, they chipped, chased, one pucks.
0: Well, and and, I mean, while we're talking about Slamberg, he and... uh... He and Nate Schmidt, uh, Remo was dropping the uh, the analytic numbers of the chances shots, forward shots against. They had like a 97% shot share or something like that on the ice. I mean, numbers that you just simply don't see.
3: Well, I mean, one, when you move the puck as well as Dylan Samberg was doing it and Schmidt was up there with him, of course, I mean, you don't play in your own end. And so that's an enormous part of that success. It was really just, you know, their ability to read the plays and make them correctly The other thing, you know, there's an interesting cat and mouse that developed very early on in terms of line matchups. Traditionally, top two pairs get the heavy minutes and the third pair, you know, gets a little bit of a softer roll. So that may play into it. I'd have to see the actual matchups. But right off the opening draw, Bruce Cassidy, he gets Winnipeg's lineup cards, sees Adam Lowry's line on it, puts out his fourth line. So he gets his stars away from Winnipeg's checking line immediately trying to free them up. And, you know, you would have thought it would have led to better returns. The problem for Vegas was Winnipeg's Winnipeg Steps players like its third pairing with Dylan Saber. I got to say, leading the way, I mean, had just a phenomenal game. You know, um, I, I'm glad we got there because it's very easy to
0: overlook performances of third pairings when we're talking about the guys that are scoring the goals. But for a performance like that, for where the game was played, um, in a lot of ways, it started on the blue line. and And much like this entire game, everybody had a piece of it. Um, That being said, there were some standouts and I joked about Kevin Sheveldayoff and some of the heat that he'd taken in the past and what he must have been thinking watching Pierre-Luc Dubois and Adam Lowry manhandle that hockey club for a full 60 minutes. We can get to Lowry in a minute because I think we've spoken a lot about how he has been the catalyst of this turnaround and in some ways sort of got over that lengthy goal scoring drought and put the team on his back at times. But, Murat, that was playoff PLD. Pierre-Luc Dubois, the player that they imagined, the best-case scenario that they imagined getting from the Columbus Blue Jackets. And as I said, there's a lot of talk about, oh, you know, what his his future is. I'll say to Jet fans right now, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Enjoy it right now. He was an absolute beast last night. And there was one thing about the physicality, but then what he was able to do at the beginning of the second period with those two plays, I thought were – Maybe the defining moments of the game, the puck position he had on Jack Eichel, creating that space, setting up Kyle Connor, and then on a number of occasions, but one most glaringly, when he got that puck in open ice, taking it in and ripping it over Loren Brassois, and playing with the chip on his shoulder that we know he has, letting Bressois know about it
3: afterwards. Pierre-Luc Dubois built for the playoffs. You've gotta believe it. You saw him dismantle the Toronto Maple Leafs a few years ago and put up a good fight for Columbus against Tampa Bay as well. But the problem for the Winnipeg Jets is that Dubois' playoff resume has been so short. It was only that first season, a little injury addled, and you know, seven games he played, three assists. I think he got it. It was three yeah, it was three assists and seven games played. Well, his goal and assist last night in one effort against the Vegas Golden Knights, where he took over. Um, almost equal to that. He's a one away from his high as a jet. And I think that the idea that he's ready to go from game one should be a major boon to the Jets, to Jets fans. You go through the analytics, you go through the game score head to head last night. Pierre-Luc Dubois, and Adam Lowry lead the way, they're number one and two. And the thing that you mentioned, you know, the way that Dubois beats Jack Eichel. And that's the story, right? Eichel's return to health, Eichel's dominant season when he was healthy for the Vegas Golden Knights. Head to head, isn't Jack Eichel supposed to win the the matchup of elite centermen? Um, Dubois sometimes doesn't even get talked about in that range of player. But on that play, he outmuscled Dubois. Oh, sorry, he outmuscled Eichel. Part of me. I'm talking to Kyle Connor after the game. He's just raving about him. People think that he they have Dubois beat. They don't. He has a step. He has the physical strength, the speed, all of that. And he turns into plays. He turns it into plays that turn into goals. The other thing about that play, Kyle Connor, before the game, we had a little separate chat, and he said there are certain spots on the ice. There's open space. You just have to find it. And there are certain spots. And he described exactly, exactly the sort of play and the positioning and the quick release shot that he made on Pierre-Luc Dubois' pass. So, 62 seconds later. Um, after Connor prophesizes his own goal because he has that confidence in Pierre Luc Dubois. Now it's Dubois taking over, scoring the goal. It's 2 0 Winnipeg. And believe me, that broke a game open that was anybody's to win even after the first period. You know, you've got a great piece up at the Athletic that people should check
0: out. It, um, you know, kind of five reasons why the Jets won. Um, you had to start with Morgan Barron. Um, Like I was mentioning with Rennie how, you know, in the gathering that I was at, you know, just how sort of inspiring it was to see him come out of the, out of the the hallway with the full cage. You could still see the blood and everything from the work that had been done on his face and what that probably meant to the guys on the bench as well. Um, I mean, listen, it was an incredibly scary incident and thank God it wasn't worse and it could have been way worse. Um, but to have him come back out and not just be there on the bench to support is there's that there's the picture for those of you with us on YouTube of the blood on uh, on part of the uh, part of the apparatus of uh, to protect his face. But he came out and played a big big role in that game. Of course, with the absence of Nikolai Ehlers, Niederreiter moving up who had a monster game, but Baron getting back to really show what he's capable of doing, playing with Adam Lowry who was. Uh, I mean, such a force himself.
3: Yeah, I mean, I asked Adam Lowry to put it into words. He said that it looked like Morgan Barron had been attacked by a shark. I mean, that's the, that's the scene. And when you watch the clips, I think I think of him playing in the game. You can see he's got a bandage covering over um, the fresh stitch work as well. But after the game, by, by the time he spoke to us, I think he'd taken that off. So you could see sort of the grisly details of some of those stitching, um, some of that stitching on his face. And the blood was still gently trickling down, joining the sweat on his face. I mean, that's that's an intense look. You know, you know it inspired his teammates. As, just before we were about to talk, from behind the curtain and around the corner, I hear a very familiar voice saying, "Frickin' warrior!" And we all know who that is. That's Mark Shifley with full admiration. You saw Pierre-Luc Dubois. He was, you know. Over Barron's shoulder and sitting down, I think it is either one or two over from from where Barron is standing in that picture, and he was just he couldn't get enough of it. Um, Rick Bonus is saying that's Winnipeg Jet hockey that you're never out of it, and he, Morgan Barron exemplified that uh, on this night. But I think the special thing is the guy came back and he played fearlessly. He played absolutely fearlessly. There, you know, he goes out on his first shift, he lays the body, he gets two critical penalty killing shifts. One with the Jets, I think it was 2-1 towards the end of the second period. That was Mark Shipley's penalty. Well, Morgan Barron right there at the blue line, breaking up an entry, getting the clear that ends that penalty kill successfully for Winnipeg. In the third period, Blake Wheeler has scored. It's 3-1, but Winnipeg takes in a, a too many men penalty, and Barron is out there again. He's picking up p- passes, picking off passes at the top of the zone, getting the clears as well. So it's not that this guy got hurt and came back is that he got hurt and came back and was the best version of himself down that stretch. I think that's just a tremendous performance. And Baron himself talking to us last night, he didn't know it yet, but this is going to be part of playoff lore for a long time. I oh, Darren, oh,
0: uh, 100% people will be talking about that performance for a long, long time. First of all, just how fortunate he was that it wasn't worse, but the effect that he had on the game and, and what his return, I think, meant to uh, meant to his teammates. And... While we're talking about the PK, because there's so many different you know angles of this game to sort of break down pretty much all that the Jets were really good in. Through all the ups and downs of this season, and there's been plenty on both sides, the one constant was this penalty-killing group. And full credit to Scott Arneal for uh, handling things from a coaching standpoint. Um, but guys like Adam Lowry, guys like Morgan Barron, I mean, Lowry's scoring up a, showing up in the score sheet a heck of a lot more. But in a lot of ways, that PK has been a foundational part of all Winnipeg Jets success. And I think we saw it last night, Murat. Um, it might not get the headlines, but um, to use the soccer term, the clean sheet on the PK. A massive, massive part of Winnipeg Jets success last night throughout the season. And certainly, for um, you know, if they're going to do some damage and make some noise come through these Stanley Cup playoffs especially with Nikolai Ehlers out and the power play, not quite looking as it had over the past few weeks. The PK is in a lot of ways where it starts because you know, no matter how disciplined you play, there will be some opportunities for your opponents
3: to go up on the Uh, 5-on-4. I'm glad you brought it up because it will get lost in the storylines of last night. But the penalty kill saved the game. And my perception on that is you just got to understand what the emotion was like in that building at T-Mobile Arena. It was raucous to start. There was tension in the building. The crowds were into it. And then Pierre-Luc Dubois made those two plays to set up Kyle Connor and then to score his own goal. 62 seconds, and all of a sudden the building is silent. William Carlson strikes back, though. Winnipeg ends up shorthanded. And that building came to life. There was tension. There was buzz. There was energy. And game one of the playoffs, all the emotions that the players and coaches bring into it, swings matter. Momentum is real in this particular situation. If Vegas scores to make a 2-2 or to pull back into the game later in the third period, that is an entirely different emotional tenor to that hockey game, no matter how well Winnipeg had played up to it. So, you know, that penalty kill, you called it a clean sheet. I like that. They kept a clean sheet, weren't scored on. They also sort of consolidated, sir, Winnipeg went up and kept a lead, maintain that lead as well. It was just, and I think about the confidence that those guys must have to be fourth in the NHL during the regular season. No real swoons. You talked to Adam Lowry about it after the game. He knows what reads they need to make. Of course they do. They're well prepared and they have every confidence in the world to step up, attack lanes, protect the blue line and all the things that they did well against Vegas.
0: Yeah. Um, Moving on to, though, through, I mean, some other players, because, I mean, listen, I could seriously talk about Dubois and Lowry for an hour straight. Um, you know, I thought Shifley and Kyle Connor you know, were, were there. They were certainly engaged. And in some ways, and it's so funny, we're talking about this big, powerful center ice spot for the Winnipeg Jets, and Mark Shifley's not part of it. He's on the wing right now, although he did take quite a few draws, and Vladimetsnikov is in there. Um when you look at, you know, the Winnipeg Jet forward group, and I mean, the Lowry line has, you know, kind of been, you know, so good as of late. But Nemetnikov and Nito Niederreiter last night, I thought was huge. And, and, you know, you have to feel good for Blake Wheeler. And, you know, Wheeler probably, you know, lost his guy on the goal that ended up happening. I mean, you know, Brendan Dillon wasn't really in a position to be able to take Carlson. um, But to come back, to be on the score sheet a couple times, to get that huge, huge goal. Um, There's a a number of other guys that might not be, at least at this point, in the forefront of the stars on the Winnipeg Jets, in that top six that I thought had major, major impact. And we were wondering what we'd get from line two, especially with the absence of Nikolai Ehlers. Well, they didn't just hold their own. They they came out on the positive side of things, and uh, what a development that is for Winnipeg.
3: Yeah, I'll start with Blake Wheeler because I posted a clip of that play where he releases Carlson, and I think he hopes that Brendan Dillon's going to make that coverage. And, you know, there's such intense debate on both sides of it. Some folks think, oh my goodness, Wheeler, you know, royal, royally screwed up that play. Some people blame Dillon. So it's just, it's interesting. I think the only thing that I'm absolutely certain of is that that was a play that came out Winnipeg fast, and Vegas played it faster than the Winnipeg Jets did. You know, Vegas. You know, it, was, it starts as a two-on-two, and and Wheeler's the extra guy that may have some impact there. You know, Vegas adds guys to the rush. There's other layers that are coming. You can see that Dylan is in the other player's lane in the first passer's lane. Um, Wheeler is in William Carlson's lane, so presumably he's the one that should be making that chase. But if you know, in an instant, he points, um, he points Brenda Dylan to slide over there to take Carlson. Dylan is in the other lane is caught flat-footed by that decision that Wheeler makes. Wheeler releases him thinking Dylan might be able to get there, and then Wheeler, his first hip movement, if you look at that play, it's subtle, but he turns towards that third skater. So Wheeler thinks he's got a good idea there, I think, but he but he gets beat by the speed. That's my interpretation. To be
0: honest, I think even if he stayed with him, I'm not sure that he's catching him. I mean, I, I, mean, I think just the speed of those two players right now and how much Carlson had going... I, I think I could sort of realize why he may have thought that or hoped that. Um, but again, in a, in, a, in a game, I mean, you're playing against a very good hockey club. They're going to get a few
3: chances, and that wasn't maybe as managed as well. But uh, but the response afterwards, I think, was exactly what you'd want to see. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, he gets beat, and he's not going to catch William Carlson. There might even be a little element of, hey, I know I'm not going to catch him. Okay, I'm going to take the next best threat sort of situation to that. I'm not sure. I haven't talked to Wheeler specifically about that play. Um, but for him to end up scoring the goal, ending up with points on the night, making things happen offensively to help things close, help close things off. I mean, that's a that's an important push. He's a contributing member of the Winnipeg Jets. He's not a five-on-five elite who drives play against any and all opposition. This is not 2018. These are not the 2018 Golden Knights or Winnipeg Jets. Um, so. The fact that he has a piece of it and is you a know, contributing middle six member of the Jets it's still an important, impactful role. The other thing I would say, and this is about Niederreiter and Nemesnikov, if I could hack hockey, if I could break down hockey and come up with something that would solve any one issue that happens within the game, I would hack the blue lines, getting pucks across your blue line into the neutral zone, getting through the neutral zone and across the offensive blue line. Because thanks to offside, like those are set areas of the ice that have special rules about how that game gets played. I think entries and exits have so much impact on what happens down the line. That's why coaches talk about transition offense, transition defense, back checking, back pressure. It's the stuff that doesn't end up on the highlight reels. Well, last night, Vladislav Nemesnikov, the guy wins so many fifty fifty battles. You think he's got you know, he's got his thumb on the scale or he's counting cards. I don't know what the Vegas <laughs> analysis is. This is my That's not my plan. I like it. I like it. He goes into these 50-50 battles at both blue lines, and he makes plays that are desperate, that are extra effort, that, you know, last night it was the Golden Knights, but since Winnipeg acquired Nemesnikov, it's been everybody he's played against, where he makes plays that surprise them, and 50-50 battles go Winnipeg's way. Um, That was at Winnipeg's blue line last night. It was at the offensive blue line last night. It created zone time that helped create offense, you know, Niederrider, you can count on him to make the same high-energy, high-effort plays as well. But for me, it was Nemesnikov sort of leading the the zone time, the control of field position, making sure Winnipeg played in the right area of the ice. And then, of course, Niederrider makes that backhand pass to Wheeler. Wheeler makes the backhand pass into the net, and all of a sudden, it's 3-1 Winnipeg. Uh, um, where would this team be without Niederrider and Nemesnikov? Maybe, <laughs> Maybe not playing right now. It's entirely possible. I think that that combination of Mesnikov and Nikolai Ehlers with Blake Wheeler was one of the season-saving shifts that Rick Bonus made heading into that Detroit game. The chemistry they had, the fact that they outscored their opposition, something like, was it 7 nothing or 7-1? I looked at the 5-on-5 numbers, and of course, Ehlers is hurt now, but Niederreiter slides up, Barron does a good job on that third line, and Winnipeg holds the fort, they're able to make it happen, and I think that you're exactly right. Those... Moves were phenomenal. They've they've done exactly what Kevin dayoff would have hoped that they would do.
0: Hey, we haven't talked about goaltending too much, and I kind of mentioned that brilliant save that Hellebuck made early on, and then you know the team did the work in front of him. What did you make about loren Brossois' situation coming out of the game? um it Listen, it, it we were talking about it watching the game. The Jets were just shooting high blocker side over and over and over again, and. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, no team would probably have a better read on strengths and weaknesses of a player than a guy that they'd shot on for a couple of years in practice every day. Um, but, I mean, the, the huge question-marking goal all season long for Vegas is, uh, to be honest, it makes their season performance winning the West, I think, that much more important. But what did you make of um, LB? And might we see another goaltender even as early as Game 2? Or do you think they stick with him at least until we get to Winnipeg?
3: For me, you know, I'll, I'll start with my thoughts on LB. I, I thought that early on in that game, in that first period, he was making some excellent saves. He was battling, and, you know, unfortunately, that scrum ends up with uh, with Morgan Barron's base pushed into Brassois' skate. But there was chaos around that Vegas net, and Laurent Bressois handled himself excellently. I sort of made the joke that he was making saves like a vintage Connor Halibutk, But the unfortunate thing for Vegas was he was handling the puck, like a 2018-19 era Connor Halibut as well, because there was a bit of chaos to his game, even though he showed up to make the saves. And for me, I think as the game went on, believe me, I am not a goaltending expert, but as the game went on, and, you know, Connor scores that goal, Pierre-Luc Dubois scores that goal, by the third period, when Winnipeg was making passes across the seam, and Bressois was going post-to-post to cover... He was pushing himself so far outside of the Vegas Golden Knights crease. I thought he lost some of that pinpoint control that he had early. And maybe there's some goaltending, you know, 3000 level course that explains exactly why Brissot was doing what he was doing. For me, my read was this was a guy that, you know, um, was put through it by a Winnipeg Jets offense that, you know, scored four on him and, you know, went into an empty net. And by the third period, he had not been on his game as much as he had been earlier on. That's just my perception. Now, if you're Vegas, what do you do with that? If, if he is genuinely not feeling confident or Winnipeg seems to have the book on him, do you go to Jonathan Quick, who you brought in specifically to give yourselves um, that sort of playoff cushion, a veteran net miter who's been there, or do you go with Bersouf, who if you look at the sample size in a whole, including last night, but also the, I think it's 11 games he played for Vegas down the stretch, was phenomenal. Do you go back to your guy, and for me, I'm usually of the case in a playoff series. Give them two games to to find it, because after one, if you just show them you don't believe in them, well then Jonathan Quick's better. He has to take you the rest of the way, because I think you've just told them that you don't believe in
0: them. Uh, Murata Tesh of the Athletic with us in Vegas. Hey, before we go, and I, I obviously you were in the Jets room afterwards, and you know really focusing on the Winnipeg Jets, but uh, just wondering if you caught anything, any reaction from Vegas because. Uh, I think that they were very confident going into this series. They should be with the season that they've had. Um, but they really got punched in the mouth. And as the game went on, they did not have a lot of answers. I'm not sure whether you even heard it yourself or talking with some of the other media available uh, media members covering the Knights. But um, what, uh, what came out of the Vegas room afterwards? And uh, how do we expect this team to handle what happened in game number one?
3: Yeah, I, you know what I read? Jesse Granger wrote a tremendous piece at The Athletic, which was four adjustments that Vegas needs to make. And, you know, one of the reasons he gets to do that is because Bruce Cassidy is forthcoming. If you say what didn't go well, he'll tell you. At least that's the perception I have from talking to Jesse. who does a great job of the Golden Knights for The Athletic. And, you know, one of the the big takeaways from that piece is that Winnipeg controlled the neutral zone battle. That was Vegas' bread and butter during their success you know um Bruce Cassidy talks about having a goaltending friendly system part of that is Vegas's is poor check part of that is how well they've clogged up the middle of the ice in the neutral zone part of that is the defense they play in their own zone but in the middle of the ice Bruce Cassidy told reporters there that Winnipeg controlled an area of the game that Vegas thought should belong to it so I think that's going to be where the bulk of adjustments and the bulk of feeling comes from Hustlers There's one play, and it's not going to make a highlight reel. It's from the first period. It's still 0-0. But for me, it's my takeaway of what made Winnipeg so successful. And it's Mason Appleton tracking back with back pressure. You know, if if you show me a team that does a better job of killing transition offense, whereas forwards get back so hard that the other team can't create odd man rushes, or that the other team's transition offense gets stuffed before they can even get to the blue line, I'll show you a winning team, especially in the neutral zone. Appleton, early on, on the forecheck, he's Winnipeg's high forward. He curls back from the Vegas zone. By the time he gets to Winnipeg's bench area, kind of middle of the ice, he's tracked down a Vegas player who had all kinds of time and space on him through sheer determination. That's a hustle play. That's not that Appleton's such a freakishly fast skater, and he is a strong skater, but there was a level of dedication to that. And I think Vegas felt that they got outplayed in the middle of the ice. Plays like the one Appleton made. I thought that set the tone for Winnipeg, and they earned that middle of the ice.
0: Well, I uh, I can't wait for tomorrow to see what happens. And I can tell you what, um, Saturday is going to be a special day. It's been a long time coming to get this uh, city and this fan base uh, rallied around in white. And you know, 2019 was a weird year going into the playoffs, and I think there was still a lot of hangover from 2018. Um, It's all systems go, especially after that incredible performance last night to uh, certainly get a few more people on the wagon if they were sort of wondering, if they were holding off their uh, enthusiasm before they saw what happened in the playoffs. Uh, What a performance. Brat, really enjoyed the piece. We'll look forward to more from Vegas in The Athletic, and we'll look forward to talking to you uh, next week as the uh, series continues. Thanks so much for doing this. Thanks, Hess. There's Marat Atesh. Make sure you're giving him a follow on Twitter at WPG Marat, And, of course, all of his work covering the Winnipeg Jets is at theathletic.com. Wow. We've been well over 800 folks live with us on YouTube all day today. Uh, if you haven't already, please hit the thumbs up, but definitely hit that red subscribe button. Uh, we've had a great boost of uh, new subscribers and new people checking out Winnipeg Sports Talks. We've got into the playoffs. Hopefully that continues. We're here every day, Monday to Friday, live at 1 p.m. Um, and if you are new, this is uh, we're well into two years of this uh, postseason Preseason, regular season, off season. We'll be here every day. So uh, make it a habit of joining us live on YouTube. And of course, if you do want to get the audio podcast, it's available right after the show every day. Search Winnipeg Sports Talk wherever you get your favorite podcast content. Hey, tomorrow is a big day game two, but also our friends at Consolidated Supply are having that big grand opening. Remo and I are going to head over there after the show. 1395 Niaqua Road East. They're going to have some food trucks, some refreshments, some raffles. Get a chance to see our pals Spicy and Joe and a bunch of great WST supporters. Um, We'll also be able to check out the uh, irrigation systems, artificial turf, new and used golf carts they've got there, and other great options for your property, including hot tubs and amazing outdoor kitchen options. So uh, pop down tomorrow, 2 to 8 p.m., uh, but maybe wait till WST is over, and then you can meet us down there. It uh, be a great way to uh, kill a couple of hours before we uh, wait for that late puck drop in Vegas tomorrow night for Game 2. Again, $13.95, Niaqua Road East, consolidate consolidated supply. You can also check them out online at cte.ca. Huge thanks to Princess Auto for the great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. I know that Princess Auto HQ today is going to be a pretty fun place with all the Jet fans there. Uh, Probably a lot of beaking as well, from people at head office in Winnipeg to uh, maybe folks in Toronto or Edmonton, considering the way the other Canadian team started their series. Uh, Regardless, Princess Auto is where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is over at Princess Auto. Two locations in Winnipeg, Panett Road, Portage Avenue West, and you can always shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. All right, do you have your whites ready? Because if you don't, you need to get down and see the fellas at Royal Sports to get ready for Saturday afternoon, whether you're in the building, at a whiteout party, or gathering around the city watching the team in the first home playoff game in far too long. Up their Manitoba's number one sports superstore. They've got regular white road jerseys. They've got the white heritage jerseys, and... The white retro reverse jerseys as well. Tons more whiteout gear. It's all there. One stop is all you need to make it. Royal Sports 750 Pemina Highway. Uh, You can check out all the other great merch there they have, as well as their spring stock, which is arriving daily, including soccer, baseball, softball, tennis, and a huge selection of bikes. Royal Sports over at 750 Pemina Highway. You can follow them on Insta as well at Royal Sports Pemina for the latest merchandise drops and sale information. And hey, gang, uh, home of the whiteout on the road is Boston Pizza. The BPs were rocking last night. I expect no different tomorrow. Um, they've got a great new playoff menu as well, including the playoff trio with the Thai chicken bites, cactus cuts, and the Cheesy Bandera bread. Um, they've got great giveaways at all Boston Pizzas, including your chance to win playoff tickets to be in the building for the Whiteout, um, and of course a, a great supporter of the Winnipeg Jets as well. So make your plans tomorrow night, late one at your local Boston Pizza, and uh, if you're not lucky enough to be a part of the Whiteout and going to the game, um, Saturday three p.m. next Monday eight thirty p.m. Boston Pizza. Will definitely be the place to be. All right, let's get Remus back in here. I want to hear from Rick Bonus and a few of the other players and just talk a little more about this game. And again, thanks to everyone that keeps on filling up this uh chat room today with one of our biggest shows ever. And Reem, I'm not surprised at all. We've had this turnout today. Um, we could have probably started at midnight last night once the guys were rolling and continued right through the night. And I imagine we'd have a few hundred people in here because Jet fans are fired up, as they should be after
1: the way this series started last night. Yeah, it's kind of been a slow build uh, for us here since the trade deadline. Um, you know, they had that streak where they were not playing well and people are getting fired up. Then they have the homestand. They start playing well and... You have the race for the playoff spot. Now we're in the playoffs. They win the first game. And yeah, the game ends at like 11. Like, how can you go right to bed after that? People want to consume you know, the post-game shows with the Jets, YouTube, Legal Curve, YouTube, Kenny and Rennie, uh, YouTube. Uh, I put out the our bone post-game video in a nice 20-minute uh, discussion I had uh, with Skylar Peters of CGOB. So check that out on our channel. So there is so much to discuss, and it's all positive. So... Uh, when the Jets win, people do uh, do get fired up. we got over 800 for most of the show. People, A lot of questions. When was the most we've had? We had a, around 1,000 a uh, when Pierre-Luc Dubois' agent, Pat Brisson, uh, said Dubois. We know. I'm not even going to talk <laughs> about it. Sorry. Yeah. That was last summer. Fake news. We're here. The only Dubois talk now is how dominant he was on the ice, taking the puck to the net, laying the body, uh, winning face-offs. That is the Dubois we're talking about. We can get to the offseason and the offseason. Well, yeah, and and, you know what, let's face it. I mean, what we saw last
0: night is the best case scenario for all parties involved. I mean, I think many people, myself included, still hold out some sort of hope that maybe with the great playoff run and the excitement of some success of this team, maybe there's a chance that he stays. If that isn't the case, and I'm sure the majority of folks, certainly insiders have told us that's probably not happening, uh, having a monster playoff run and being the dominant guy we saw lead the way for the Jets last night is great for him personally, as far as what he can expect to make on his next big contract. And it certainly ups the value and the demand for a player like that, that, um, you know, was full marks and exactly the guy that, teams have drooled over and frankly somewhat of a unicorn because there's not very many guys like that in the national hockey league right now so yeah we'll cross that bridge when we come to it right now Pierre-Luc Dubois a huge part of the Winnipeg Jets and was all in last night in just an absolutely incredible performance let's hear a little bit from uh we'll get to PLD in a minute uh as well as Adam Lowry but um Rick Bonus spoke after the game and a bit of a lengthy, and it makes sense because of all the additional media in and around Stanley Cup playoffs as opposed to maybe the Winnipeg Jets um, the Jets overall, but uh, through the regular season. Um, but let's start right up at the top, Remo, because one of the things that was just so stunning after the game was not necessarily the way the Jets played in the third period and really continued to take it to Vegas. It was the fact that You know, the shot numbers were so low. And in a final 20 minutes where you expected a big, big push from Vegas, it was the exact opposite. It was Winnipeg that was bringing the push. And Rick Bonus talked about uh, just that third period performance and how they limited Vegas with the game on the line to only two shots on Connor Hellebuck.
4: Well, we we tried to... A big part of our game is just pressure the puck here and stay above and not give them a whole lot of time to make plays um, and to try to eliminate them on the rush. They're a very good team on the rush. They like their delays and they look for that second wave. So uh, I thought our forwards did a great job backtracking and uh, taking away those guys. And they also did a great job pressuring the puck here.
0: All right, Bones, uh, talking about that third period. And, uh, you know, obviously uh, the goal is to come in and get a split. Well, they've got a split. Now it's time to get greedy and go for two. Uh, But Bones did talk about the significance of winning game one on the road and obviously the way his team was able to do it. Um,
4: We're not advancing until we win at least one game in here. So we just kept the focus on what we had to do with a game. I'm happy we got a game one, but as we talk to the team after every game in a a playoff series, every game moving forward gets tougher, and we know uh, the next game is going to be a lot tougher here for us.
0: All right, Rick. Bonus on uh, you know the uh, the job to get one. They've got one, but man, it sure would be nice to get two before coming back to the whiteout here in Winnipeg. Now, the night started. Uh, in a somewhat auspicious fashion for Jet fans when uh, they checked their phones or turned the tube on and got the news that Nikolai Ehlers wasn't playing. And it's Michael and I talked about off the top of the program, this was quite shocking, I think, to most observers, considering Ehlers had skated yesterday with the club, had said that he was going to play, he would be a go, but Rick Bonus pumped the tires on that for the last couple days, saying that he was a game-time decision. And obviously he was not cleared by the doctors to play last night. So uh, Bones expanded a little bit on Eler's situation and his injury after the game.
4: There, were, there wasn't necessarily a setback, but nor was there the progress that we had hoped. And we're not going to put a player on the ice uh, that is not a, close to, at least close to 100%. And in, put him in a, vul, a vulnerable position where he could have a setback. So we made that decision. That was the right call on Nick. And then it'll be the same thing on the Thursday. We decide what's, what's, if he's, you know, 48 hours, a lot can change. Um But we'll certainly make the, the right call to protect the player. If he's not where we need him to be, then I know he wants to play. And I think that's what was misleading to everyone. Said, yeah, I'm ready. to run to play. I want to play. But medically, he was not ready to play.
0: All right. So there's, uh. There's bones on uh, Nikolai Ehlers. And uh, I guess, Remo, that's going to be a big, big question going into tomorrow night's game. Although I have to admit that, you know, with the physicality of a series like this, knowing that, you know, you want Nikolai Ehlers for the long haul and you certainly don't want to risk anything. The game that they played last night, the way that they won, the way Niederreiter stepped up, the way Barron stepped up, and the way Gus looked on the fourth line, uh, I'm not saying that it allows you to maybe kick the can down the road. But I think it certainly does give the Winnipeg Jets maybe the comfort of knowing that they've got guys to get the job done. If one of their most important offensive players isn't able to be cleared by doctors uh, before
1: hopefully at least playing back here in Winnipeg on the weekend. Yeah. My thought on the weekend is now that they've won and they've shown, um, you know, the guys they have can get it done. I think it lessens the urgency in trying to get them back. And, He's not 100%. You can say, hey, we don't want you to play, and it seems like that's what they did yesterday. Um, as far as today, we want an Ealers update. Ken Wiebe will be joining us tomorrow. He's at practice. He said the Jets are on the ice. Ealers out there in a regular jersey. Cole Perfetti is still in a non-contact jersey. Not skating right now. Morgan Barron, Kevin Stanlin, and Neil um, I guess Stanlin, he was day-to-day. He did play. Because they're just managing that. Neil Pionk, we'll have to wait to hear. And Morgan Barron, I think that's pretty obvious. You know, you would hope that he can play on Thursday, but I'm sure you know he's just getting some rest, probably sitting down. Although I don't think you're supposed to put ice on things anymore. There's conflicting about that I don't want to get involved, but he's probably resting his gash on his head.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's probably a safe bet. Oh, by the way, uh, I was mentioning the, uh, you know, the uh, Whiteout Party or Whiteout Central at Boston Pizzas on the weekend. Uh, I meant to give a shout out to Baby Yoda uh, because I'm picking a uh, a great comment once a day this week for a twenty five dollar gift card, and I love this one from Baby Yoda a few minutes ago. They just had trouble scoring for whatever reason during their time when they were losing, but everything changed when Shifley was moved to the wing on that first line. What a genius move that was. A little bit of dap for bones, and um, the old, in case of emergency, break glass move that... He pulled uh, with his team staring, uh, potentially missing the playoffs in the face. Baby Yoda, nice work. Send us an email at Talk at gmail.com. And let me know what uh, local Boston pizza is closest to you, along with your email. And uh, we'll get you set up to uh, pick up that $25 gift card at the closest BP in and around you. Um, all right, Rima, you know, let's go to number six uh, because the Jets did not have any success against Vegas this season. And what's interesting about that is all the games were earlier in the year when the Jets certainly by record were playing their best hockey. Um, Obviously, Big Safe Day was in for two of those, but they hadn't beaten the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, Bones compared this game um, to the games in late 2022 where his team um, did not have very good results against the, the, uh, the home team last night.
4: You know, the two games we had in early in the year that I missed because of COVID, we weren't very good. Our goalie was outstanding. Uh, we played better against the, in the game in Winnipeg, but we still ended up losing. But tonight was... They are clearly the best game we've played against them for, for, for the full 60 minutes now You know they're a great great hockey club over there. and They're going to get momentum So we I found tonight we did a good job and when we bent a little bit We didn't break and just as important was that that the next line went out and, and stop their momentum. So they had a couple of really good shifts. They did, and they're going to do that because they're a great hockey club. Um, but I thought the next line that went out to stop that momentum, and that was just as important.
0: That line actually was the fourth line, I believe, last night. And, um, you know, credit to Steny and, and David Gustafson uh, and line and for uh, maintaining that sort of confidence from their head coach to go out and pull their weight at important times of the game. Um, But Morgan Barron was the talk of um, certainly Jets chat rooms last night, the post-game show, um, and by a lot of people that frankly don't pay too much attention often to the Jets or the Vegas Golden Knights. Bones talked about Barron, injury, coming back and what that did and what he did for the club in the big win.
4: Uh, listen, he he came back and he's looking at me. I'm ready. <laughs> I said, oh, do, you, "Do you need a little skate or something here?" No, I'm ready to go. And of course, he went right out and he banged into someone. So, you know, that's that's Winnipeg Jet hockey that we're all in, and uh, and that's a prepared, Morgan's a perfect example of that tonight. Uh, so, give him a lot of credit. That takes a lot of courage. You get 55 stitches, whatever the heck it was, and that was this pretty serious cut um so we give him a ton of credit man for coming back home and playing and, that, and that's an inspiration for our players as well he's on the bench and they're all looking at and they're all saying you know great to see you back and i i think morgan's presence coming back from that because they all realized how bad it was that it gave everyone a big boost
0: here's the winning coach last night rick bonus of the winnipeg jets on a number of topics finishing up with morgan Barron and the effect he had on the game i'm uh, just coming back to the bench and how inspirational that was for his team uh baron of course met the media afterwards looking a little worse for wear but pretty darn happy after his first playoff game and playing the role that he did uh baron talked about how he was feeling after the game
2: how's
5: it feeling right now it's actually not bad it uh they did a great job stitching me up, and obviously it missed my eye, so um, I was glad it didn't get me in a really bad spot, but they did a great job fixing me up.
6: of happened, what went through mind?
5: I trying to figure out if the puck went in because <laughs> it's, it's sitting pretty close, and then, uh, I don't know, I, obviously I kind of saw the skate coming, and just an unlucky play, I think, a little bit unfortunate, but um, like I said, I, I think the first thought was that I could just see out of the eye, so that was the main thing.
0: Yeah, the yeah, good seeing out of the eye, that's definitely a positive positive. and uh um listen, it was uh, it, it was potentially a horrifying incident. Um that luckily for Morgan Barron, for everyone uh, was not worse. Um and then the effect that he had uh, coming back to the bench and as Marat very accurately laid out um, you know, a big, big role in a lot of things in the second half of that hockey game after he came back. Uh, but Baron, we'll just continue with 10 and 11, Reem. Uh, Baron talked about uh, if he thought that, you know, his getting hurt and returning sort of sparked his teammates.
5: I don't know. Maybe I didn't get to watch. <laughs> I didn't get to watch much of the end of the first or the start of the second. But, um, you know, it was nice going back to the bench and being up to nothing because it was 0-0 when I left. So um, I was just kind of had my eyes closed, getting stitched up and listening to the guys hoot and holler whenever we scored. So it was good.
0: Yeah. And, and one more from Barron on uh, the, uh, the injury situation. He was asked if uh, he had any doubt whether he would be uh, back in the game
5: uh no no i uh like i said it miss anything important and i had feeling and everything so it was um as long as they stitched me up well just like they did it was it was awesome where the team did a great job in there so
0: all right well uh you know obviously there's going to be a bunch of questions about you know uh, how he was feeling and what happened but um, he was also a big big part of that win last night and um baron talked about the first period performance and then weber Followed up by uh, asking about um, holding Vegas to two shots on goal in the third period.
5: Yeah, I thought it was a good first. Like, we, we had some chances. and know the puck sat in the goal line a few times there. So um, I thought it was a good game for us. We played a complete 60. And, um, you know, I've been saying it for a while. I feel like we're peaking at the right time. So it was a good uh, good 60 minutes. did
7: you see in the third period?
5: Had two shots? We had them, how many? Like
7: two
5: shots. Oh, I did not know. Um. Yeah, like I think that was kind of our game plan, just keep putting pucks low and, um, you know, make them beat us, make them go 200 feet if they're going to do it, and um, we got a big kill there, so the guys did a great job.
0: Yeah, not looking at the shot clock or the stats sheet afterwards, just celebrating a huge win on the road to uh, draw first blood in this best-of-seven playoff series. Uh, one more from Barron, and he was asked by John Liu about being part of playoff history.
3: Morgan, you get the sense that uh, this is going to go down in the annals of hockey playoff lore?
5: I don't. I don't know. I haven't thought that far yet. I don't, I don't, I don't really think so, but maybe. Yeah.
3: When's the last time that you wore a cage or any of the setup that you wore?
5: Uh, I wore it in college, so four years ago maybe. So it wasn't too much of an adjustment
3: short flashback any i mean you were on the pk anything like that did it ever cross your mind while you were on the ice that uh, you got to protect yourself
5: somehow no no like i said with the cage on it's pretty hard for anything to happen so um you get hopped up on adrenaline i was obviously really excited for my first playoff game and um just kind of went from there
0: what a warrior man morgan baron and uh if you're listening on the podcast i'm sure you can go back and check the youtube but Reem, that is a gnarly, gnarly gash aftermath. And This, is, of course, was after he'd been sewn up to the tune of 75 stitches.
1: Yeah, um, that thing is big. When it's 75 plus, I think it's Darren Drager tweeting that they lost count. I mean, who who's the guy counting each stitch as it goes in? Is that really the big concern or when you have a big cut uh, closing it up? So you can see blood coming out. Running down his face. Marat uh, sent us a picture of the helmet he took. It's got blood on the strap on the helmet. We even saw blood on Lauren Brossois' skate. I'm sure this thing is, like, purple and all gross today. I don't know if they're going to have to, like, shoot it up with painkillers he doesn't feel it uh, for tomorrow. But we'll have to wait and see what Bone says after today's practice, which is taking place right now. And can we be reporting that Morgan Barron not on the ice i can't say i'm too surprised after that God. give give
0: the guy a day off let him uh <laughs> let him rest and recuperate and get ready for game two um pierre Pierre-Luc dubois was a monster last night we spent a lot of time talking about just how dominant he was um dubois talked after the game about uh setting the tone in the first game of the playoff series
6: yeah um well in the first um you know we knew being in their building uh they'd have the fans on their side um we thought we played well. We didn't give them much. And then the second, um, kind of the same thing. We got uh, two opportunities, put two in. And just like that, you're you're up to nothing. And they're chasing the game now.
0: All right, so there's PLD. Um, he, uh, obviously, there was a lot of demands for a lot of players. Um, but, you know, the two-man podium with the two centers that completely dominated that game, no doubt about it, who the guys that were going to get called for the Winnipeg Jets and... 80, Dubois, and 17, Adam Lowry. And, you know, as we talked about earlier with Murat, um, it's so easy to focus in on the scoring plays and whatnot, but um, I thought he was bang on mentioning just how important the penalty kill was. And Adam Lowry has been a mainstay of that penalty kill unit, which as I said, has really been a foundational piece of Jets' success so far this year and absolutely needs to continue to be that way for them to have success in the playoffs. Lowry talked about the win, but also about the role of the penalty-killing unit last night. Um,
6: yeah, I think, you know, especially that late kill, that's kind of... Yeah, special teams are usually the difference in, in tight games and, you know, able to get that lead or get that kill kind of preserve the 3-1 lead. Uh, I, I think, you know, we kind of didn't allow their, them to break us down kind of through the box, and, you know, they, they like to utilize the bumper, um, kind of a lot of slot plays, and you know, I, I think for the most part we, we shut that down. So, um, yeah, it, it was it was huge for us to get all three kills tonight. Um, we got to be ready. They're, they're probably going to make some adjustments, I think, especially with that last kill, you uh, you know, we didn't really give them any looks. We were taking away their, la- their lanes, uh, you know, causing some turnovers. So uh, we'll just have to be ready for some adjustments that they'll probably make.
0: All right, there's Adam Lowry on the, uh, the penalty kill. And, uh, of course, every member of the Winnipeg Jets that had a microphone in front of his face was asked about Morgan Barron, the injury, how scary it was, and uh, the boost he gave to his team on the bench and on the ice after returning. Yeah. Uh,
6: yeah uh, it looked like he got attacked by a shark to be honest so you know it's a scary thing i think you know we're all so worried about the puck crossing the line and then all of a sudden we we see a trail of blood you know basically from the crease all the way to the bench and you you don't know what happened you know you you kind of assume a stick but you know the the seeing the replay and you know hearing about it in the intermission and you know kind of Hearing the number of stitches that he was getting, you know, I thought they said 15, not 50 plus. So um, to sit on the table, get stitched up, and you know, miss basically an hour <coughs> of action, and then come back, I think, you know, it speaks volumes to his heart. And you know, it's tough to come back when you you've sat that long, but you know, he created some great chances for our line. You know, getting that bump with Nicky out, and you know, I thought he had a great game.
0: All right, there's Adam uh, Lowry, and I know there's a lot of people in chat wondering what the heck Pierre Lutuba was reading. No, that was not the post-game menu. Uh, I'm pretty sure that was the stat sheet from the game that they uh, make available to all of the players, um, you know, in case they're asked a question about it or they want to reference it. Um, let's hear it from Blake Wheeler. Um, Wheeler had a big, big role in the game last night as well, uh, and that line – I thought, I mean, let's face it, when Nikolai Ehlers was out, you wondered how that would affect the rest of the lines and how they'd be able to operate without the guy that really is the offensive catalyst of that second line. Um, But Wheeler was a big part of it, and he talked about something that we mentioned many times about how the adversity they went through at the end of the season and what they had to do to get into the playoffs. um, If those must-win games at the end of the year helped them out tonight, get off to the great start that they had.
7: Yeah, we've kind of been playing, um, you know, must-win games for a little while now. And um, I just think we've, you know, we've been through a lot in the last 12 months. So uh, adversity-wise, like, we've kind of um, seen seen a lot. And um, playing important games on the stretch certainly helps. And um, having some success in those games,
0: you know, to earn a playoff spot, I think, was uh, definitely a benefit to our team coming into it. All right. So, uh, Wheeler, on uh, the situation that may have helped the team last night, you um, he also talked about Morgan Barron and uh, just the feeling on the bench and amongst the team when uh, the cage went on and the bear came back.
7: Yeah, I've, I, don't, I don't think anyone doubted he was coming back. I mean, um, he uh, didn't look very pretty, but, uh, yeah, you know, he's a college hockey player. He's used to playing with the cage on. So um, it was great, first and foremost, to, you know, see that it wasn't, you know, hurt too badly. And um, so once we knew that, it was um, –
0: you know, good to see him back on the bench for sure. All right. So uh, wheels on uh, the return of Morgan Barron. Uh, Wheeler Rock also talked about just the Jets ability to uh, take in Rick Bonus's game plan and stick to it for 60 minutes last night.
7: Well, I mean, we, yeah, we played well. It was, uh, um, you know, the way we wanted to play and, um, you know, we know what to expect for game two in the first period. I mean, this team is, you know, probably the best team in the league at home uh, in first period. So, um, start of the next game is gonna be be huge. We were prepared, uh, you know, for a fast start from them. Um, the other times we played in here this year, you know, they they buzzed us really early, and we had a tough time getting our game going. So, um, we just wanted to try to assert ourselves and be aggressive early on. And um, you know, we got through that first period, uh, you know,
0: feeling good about our game. All right, just a couple more from uh, the former captain. uh, Wheeler also talked about, uh, you know, in the game, and as Mark mentioned this, I mean, winning those neutral zone battles and, you know, preventing Vegas from breaking out of their zone with uh, with any speed and, frankly, very little effectiveness.
7: Well, they have a really, you know, fast team, you know, and, um, you know, the strength of our team is, uh, you know, we have four lines who can play heavy in the offensive zone and um, where we, you know when we want to play that game and, and get pucks in and four check hard um, and get all four lines involved. Uh, yeah. We can um, sort of control the dictate the, the flow of the game. And
0: I think we are committed to that all game tonight. All right. There's Blake Wheeler. And one more from Wheeler. Cannot forget about the backbone of the hockey club, Connor Hellebuck, who was uh, sort of lonely in the third period, but made a couple big, big saves early on in the game. Uh, when the game was zero, zero, here's uh, wheels on Helly. heli. He made some big saves too,
7: uh, especially early on. You know, they had a couple looks. Uh, you know, on the on their uh, on, on our penalty kill, um, made some big stops. So, um, wasn't the shot volume he's used to seeing, but
0: um, when he when we needed him, he made some huge saves. All right, so there is Blake Wheeler, and um, Reem. It, it is sort of funny. I don't think I could have possibly imagined a show today with so much fun and excitement talking about a win. The way the Winnipeg Jets won the game, and I don't want to say Hellebuck is an afterthought because, as Wheeler just mentioned, he was a big part, especially of that first period, but um hard to imagine a better all-around performance of the Winnipeg Jets and one that they, you know, have a convincing win on the road against the number one seed in the West, and Connor Hellebuck wasn't probably even considered for one of the stars of the game.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, we were saying their best players need to be their best players. I mean, Hellebuck, very good when called upon, but it was uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois and Adam Lowry who were the guys stepping up for them. Uh, Kyle Connor as well. So, you know, I think there's going to be a game where Hellebuck has to stand on his head. Like, I don't think the Jets are going to hold them to 17 shots every game. Like, you'd like them to, but Vegas is a good team. Uh, they're going to have a response, even though if they didn't, in the third period, they'll all regroup and see. And it is kind of funny. Um, someone mentioned in chat remember it was a couple of years ago where Bruce Cassidy when he was coaching the Bruins, and he referenced how the Jets were soft in the slot area, and that was with a previous coach. And now uh, maybe Bruce Cassidy didn't get the memo that they have a, a new boss behind the bench, and some of their strategies have changed. I'm making jokes here, but it's um, – I mean, just—I mean, what more can we say? We've talked for two hours about how, how great this performance was. I love that
0: was. you brought up that, brought up that quip last year with Boston because that was – Uh, It was 100% true. I mean, I'll give him full credit for, um, you know, saying it the way it is. And that's something that Bruce Cassidy traditionally does. Um, But it was a very different story for this Winnipeg Jets team last night than maybe what he remembered from last year and probably early on in the season as well. Um, Listen, we do have to quickly want to get to these other series with you, Reem. Just before we do that, though, You ready for the weekend? Get those Little Brown jugs um, locked and loaded for Thursday night, for Saturday, for Monday. I got to tell you, a Victory Generic Lager last night tasted pretty damn good. Generic Lager is the new beer at Little Brown Jug. It's just launched. Your basic lager, just better. Impressively standard in the best way, light and clean to taste with a mellow flavor and crisp finish. Now Manitoba can support local, without having to move away from the domestic taste they've come to expect with the light beer. Pick it up now, eight packs or by the can through the taproom on William Avenue or through vendors, and you'll see it coming up soon at Manitoba Liquor Marts as well. Um, not a lot of golf talk right now here, at least in Winnipeg, um, but certainly elsewhere. Hopefully this damn snow kind of comes and goes quite quickly. All I know is that very soon we'll be enjoying the spring and summer out at Breezy Bend, one of Manitoba's top private clubs, with the championship course, top-notch practice facilities, and the best 19th hole around in their beautiful course-side patio. Great men's, ladies, and junior programs, and an awesome social scene. Breezy's the perfect long-term golfing home for you and your family. Find out more at breezybend.ca or give our pal Corey Johnson a call for more information about becoming a member. And when we do get to summer... I'm counting down the days to getting out to Aikens Lake, a paradise in Manitoba where you can be on the water in just a couple hours from the city of Winnipeg after a short flight. Uh, but once you're there, you're going to be taking in world-class fishing and even more world-class hospitality from our great friends, the uh, Terenz and their team at Aikens Lake, a great corporate outing or an amazing family and friends trip, but they're over 85% booked for the year right now. So, Find out more right now and get your booking in at AikensLake.com. And any university students out there that want to spend a summer in paradise, make some money and have a hell of a great time, send a resume in to Pitt at AikensLake.com. Still looking for guides and servers for the upcoming year. Um, We'll get to the lines in a minute and see what this has done to the uh, odds in the Jets Vegas series. But uh, just quickly before we uh, get to that. Ugly, ugly start for the Leafs last night against against the Tampa Bay Lightning.
1: Yeah, I mean, honestly, I didn't see too much of that game. I was mentally preparing myself for a late night by taking a nap after dinner. However, I did have an eye on it, and um I mean, shocking, Um, you know, Leafs losing again. Or is it really shocking, us? or Is it should have been what we... Expected well, we thought I this mean, was last be- year
0: they came out and blew the doors off Tampa in game one i think it was like five nothing or six nothing in that first game and we know how it ended up i mean this is a long series these teams know each other well but it was a real buzzkill, i think for people in the gta however i think that the previous playoff horrors and disappointments have built and built up that this was really felt that this was the year that i mean they have to find a way to get it done and uh that was not the way to start the series, certainly from Sheldon Keith, Michael Bunting, I imagine, will be uh, getting a spot in the press box after a phone hearing from NHL player safety, still waiting on that. But it was a costly loss for uh, for Tampa in that, you know, the cheap shot on Cernak knocked him out of the game. Mikey Essamont was knocked out of the game at one point. And Victor Hedman, um, obviously not healthy right now. So uh, the series far from done, but what a start for Tampa who – I don't know. I think a lot of people had sort of written off this year quite foolishly when you consider that this team has been the
1: standard in playoff hockey for a number of years right now in the NHL. Yeah, Michael Bunting, he's having a hearing today for an illegal check to the head slash interference on Eric Cernak. I wonder what he's going to get because the tweet below is the tweet that says Hartman has been suspended what for one game for interference on Nikolai Ehlers. We're getting triggered Such here just reading bullshit. that. Bullshit. So we'll see. We'll see what they do. There's one thing about player safety is you have no idea uh, what's going to happen. And yeah, I'm. There was a lot of comments today in the chat house. People saying, "Where's uh, what, what did I call it? Leafs. Leafs suck. Lunch." People wanted us to talk about the <laughs> Leafs losing. Where's I guess the, all the Leaf haters coming in? And you know who would have thought the Jets would have be the only ca- of the Canadian teams in the playoffs to win their first game? And well, a good thing for all the other teams is the game, you know, it's a seven game series, not game one, but not an ideal start for the Leafs. And it was supposed to be their year, but I don't, I don't want to jump to too many conclusions after one game. Although maybe we have been jumping to, to conclusions about the Jets for the past two hours here. Anyways, um, we'll see what happens uh, with the Leafs in that series.
0: Uh, the other crazy result last night in, I only caught the last 10 minutes of this game because obviously we were all locked in in Vegas on the the Jets and Knights. But how about the Seattle Kraken? The biggest underdog of any team in the first round goes in and upsets the defending Stanley Cup champions for their first ever playoff win. Um, Can't say enough about Dave Haxtall and that team. Um, Just an amazing season that they've had. No one expected it and now drawing first blood against a a very, very good Colorado Avalanche club.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you ask me, like the series, I think I had that as a sweep for Colorado. I thought Seattle had absolutely no chance, but they keep doing it. They got the scoring by committee, the balance attack. I mean, their MVP, they voted as a team, Vince Dunn, uh, the defenseman. And you're like, well, any team that's got Vince Dunn as their MVP. No offense to Vince Dunn, very good player, but I don't really see him as an MVP um, you know, on a contingent. Well, Jared might, McCann scored 40. I know it's very under, very underrated that he scored 40. And anyone in the chat, could you
0: pick Jared McCann out of a police lineup?
1: No, I doubt it. 40 goals Bern- this year. And Maddie Bernier's had a good season, but I don't know. Like I look at this team and like, they don't have, they don't have any superstars on it, but they just have a bunch of guys that work hard. And uh, Dave Haxtell has done a nice job. But so look, it was the, no, the first home game for Seattle is on Saturday Saturday night I figure it's gonna be rocking there so nice to see them having success after like can I say disappointing by missing the playoffs in their first ever season like Vegas just set the bar so high <laughs> by making it to the cup final and I think I bashed them in the first year saying they you know made some questionable selections like like taking Vince Dunn instead of Teresanko. uh that was one of them but um I mean they're a solid they're, they're a solid team huss and Not going to be an easy one for Colorado, even if we thought it was going to be.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. And uh, the one other game that uh, probably not a lot of people watched because they were focusing in before Jets Vegas on what was happening between the Leafs and Lightning uh, was the Battle of the Hudson and the Rangers with a strong performance on the road in Newark, New Jersey, beating the Devils 5-1. Big start for the blue shirts against the uh, young, exciting, but inexperienced New Jersey devils. As far as the games tonight, here are the lines over at cool bet. The uh, and of course, lock shop running pretty much every day right now. So if you want a little bit more, we did, uh, we'll admit we did somewhat torture leaf fan, Jake Bolin, Moss earlier today, myself and dusty. Um, but I was the one that had a bit of the pumped up chest, uh, pumped out chest because of the jets performance Edmonton, Toronto, not so much after game one. However, tonight, game two, Islanders-Hurricanes, Islanders plus 140, Canes minus 165. Bruins a big favorite, minus 208 at home against the Panthers. Panthers paying plus 174 on the money line. Dallas and Minnesota going at it again. This is going to be and I'll be watching this one tonight. Really enjoyed the game. Again, another late one, 837 puck drop. In Dallas. Dallas minus 151, the Wild plus 128, and the Edmonton Oilers minus 223 favorites to beat the Los Angeles Kings and even up their series after that huge comeback win by the Kings and win in overtime, LA plus 185. Heading down, though, to the series prices, let's see what that Jets win has done to... This series against the Vegas Golden Knights. And as you can imagine, it's completely flipped the number. The Jets were a plus 130 underdog to begin the series. And after that dominating win last night, the Jets are in fact a pretty significant favorite at minus 149. Golden Knights plus 127. Um, You've also got options on the total games for the series. Uh, as well as the series spread, if you want to get into that. Uh, How about the Avalanche Kraken series? That's a heck of a lot closer than it was before. I'm not sure that that might be a good time to bet the Avs, actually, to be honest, at minus 135. That is up there. And the Oilers, as well, after dropping the first game, they're still a much bigger favorite than the Avalanche are. Minus 149, despite being down 0-1 Kings. Plus 126. Uh, But you can see the up to date numbers on all of these series. The other one tonight, Wild, a favorite in their series now at minus 137. Dallas at plus 117. So if there is a team you're still high on, even though they lost game one, now's a great time to get in on it. A great number. And as far as the playoff odds, the Bruins are the favorite at plus 290. They are, I believe, we're plus 350 heading into the playoffs. Uh, Edmonton plus seven twenty five, the Avs plus eight fifty. Both of those teams are down on one. Uh, and then you got Carolina Rangers and Leafs at eleven to one. Got to go all the way down to thirty to one for the Winnipeg Jets, but that has changed from forty to one before a game was played. So uh, you got conference winners as well, options, tons of props on the games tonight, and in the exclusives this evening. We've got a couple for you from the lock shop Uh, Oilers in regulation stars to win Florida and Boston over five and a half paying plus four thirty. I'm riding on that one. And then Dusty's got one that actually has gone down already. It was plus four hundred when we dropped it. McDavid, two or more points, a dry sidle goal, Oilers to win in regulation, plus 350. I am on a Leon Dreisaitl goal tonight at plus 113. Check it all out at CoolBet.com. If you haven't played at CoolBet before, use the promo code WST for a 100% deposit up to 200 bucks on your first deposit. And make sure to check out our daily content
1: in the lock shop. You got any uh, leans tonight, Reem? I mean, you have to think Edmonton um, wins and McDavid gets on the board, right? Like, that's probably uh, probably going to happen here. Um, McDavid only has three points in five games this season against the Kings. They have yes. been the one team that
0: has done a real good job of keeping him in check. It was Dreisaitl, is the most dangerous guy, at least as far as points go. But um, McDavid will get his. I'm pretty confident of that.
1: Yeah, it's shocking. No, I haven't looked. I am looking, you know, the one series that maybe I wasn't f- so fired up for. Like, I was all over the Kings Oilers, and I am pumped. But this star is wild. Like, what's going to happen in um, in Game 2 here after the fireworks from Game 1? I just saw Ty Domi uh, tweeting out uh, the Dumba hit on Pavelski with his thoughts because it was Max Domi who came in and started throwing down on Dumba. A lot of um, a lot of opinions on uh, on that hit hus, And I wonder uh, what's going to happen tonight. So round two, I'll tell you what's going to happen. Yeah.
0: These teams are going to continue beating the hell out of each other. And it's going to continue until the end of this series. I, it was violent. It was dirty at times. I kind of thought that I would spend my evening two nights ago, watching the Oilers and Kings. I barely watched any of that game because I was glued to the Dallas, uh, Minnesota game. Did also have a wager on that game. And, it was in overtime, so it was pretty darn exciting. But um, we'll see whether we get some OT tonight. I kind of think the Islanders might get one tonight. Very, very close game. Carolina's not scoring a lot right now. I don't mind the under. And it's not even under five and a half. It's under five right now. So it just goes to show that they're not expecting a lot of, uh, lot of goals. But um, all in all, what a show today's been. And what a game last night was. Um, hey, if you're going to the game... On Saturday, let's get back to the real whiteout tradition of packing that building early in time for warm up and being there when the team comes out. I have no doubt that, you know, it'll be electric regardless of what happens on Thursday. Um, but one thing that didn't really happen in 2019, and I think that, again, I don't want to get back to spending too much time talking about that season, but the way the second half went. There was a lot of there was a lot of bad vibes around the team. And and I think the fan base was almost felt a little entitled that, well, we'd just been to the conference finals. Let me know when we're there and we'll continue. I mean, this isn't a video game. You don't die and then just resume where you last played your game. I mean, it's a long run and I think that a great turnout from the fans in white, right from warmups on will do wonders for that atmosphere downtown. I will be there. I hope to see you there if you're lucky enough to cop a ticket to Game 3 or Game 4. I think that's going to do it for us. We need to get this pod up. I know a lot of people will be excited to uh, get the audio version of this. Thanks to everyone that's been with us. If you haven't already, hit that thumbs up and make sure you've hit that red subscribe button. Uh, And if you missed a little recap after last night's game... Uh, With Remus and Skylar Peters, a CGOB. Great listen, kind of really going through the entire game. That's up on the YouTube channel as well. You can check that out afterwards. Tell a friend about Winnipeg Sports Talk. And There's a lot of people maybe just getting into the Jets. No better place to get their daily Jets fixed than right here. And We appreciate everyone's help in spreading the channel. Thanks to the sponsors that make this show happen every day. Great stuff with Rennie. And Marat and uh, Michael Remus doing a hell of a job chopping all these clips that uh, came out of last night's game. Tomorrow, it's game two, game day edition, playoff style on Winnipeg Sports Talk, getting you ready for another late one before the whiteout returns to Winnipeg on Saturday afternoon at 3 p.m. For Michael Remus, I'm Andrew Patterson. Have a great night tonight. Enjoy the games. And, We'll see you tomorrow getting ready for Game 2 between the Jets and Golden Knights on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Oh, my God! Shut it down! Let's go home! Thanks
4: for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe
0: on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.